Real Nerds is a proud partner of the Denver Podcast Network. In the shadow of the mountains, we speak. Hello, everybody. I'm J.D. Lopez, the host of Left Hand Right Brain. It's a free-flowing, wide-ranging conversation that I have with artists doing interesting and creative things here in Denver and beyond. We talk about their personal stories, break down their creative process, and what motivates them. Spoiler alert, it's mostly spite. We talk about all these things and more while kicking back, cracking wise, and always having a good time. You can find old episodes and everything you need to know at lefthandrightbrainpod.com. Oh, hi, podcast listeners. There's many ways you can listen to The Real Nerds Podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can also subscribe on Stitcher Radio. You want to send us a Twitter message? You can do that. It's so easy. At Real Nerds. Like us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. You can visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com, where there will be a lot of articles for you to not only read, but to listen to our previous shows. You can also call us, 720-6Nerds5. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. I'm Andre Gower. And I'm Ryan Lambert. And you're listening to Real Nerds Podcast. Welcome to Real Nerds Podcast, unofficially the official podcast of Denver Pop Culture Con 2020 and beyond. I am Ryan. With me is Brad and Zach. This week we've welcomed a guest into the dungeon of nerdness. Oh, is that what we're calling it now? I don't know. Is that that is that what you call it? I, I was going to call it the ter- terror chamber, but the okay. terror chamber, the terror chamber. Oh, the terror chamber. <laughs> yeah, sorry. All right. Toy I was boat, wondering why you guys chained that to the wall. <laughs> uh, why don't you introduce yourself to our audience listening people? All right. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to uh, hear it anymore from you. <laughs> uh, my name is Chad Terry. Uh, I am the new producer of the Denver Forty Eight Hour Film Project. Um, yeah, I don't know what else to say. That's basically Perfect. it. <laughs> what is a Denver 48-hour film project? <laughs> right. Don't uh, worry, I do this for a living. Very good because I I so uh by trade I'm I'm more of an actor and so when I when I go out places and I'm myself, it it all falls apart because you get really nervous as yourself rather than playing a character. So I guess mm-hmm. I should like create a producer character and just go out as him all the time he'd probably just be like nah, 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 nah. yes please have the big cigar <laughs> extruding from yeah. your mouth we need those so slick your come hair make a back. film in 48 hours see yeah we'll put you in the pictures kid who's that he's chad he thinks he's doing something clever <laughs> yeah, right. cliche chad there so what is, is it uh what is a 48 hour film project so the 48 hour film project is um Basically, uh, you you get a team of thank you very much, sir. Uh, you you get a team of however many people you want, uh, and and you make a film in forty eight hours. What you do is you show up on a Friday. Every every team picks a different uh, genre out of a hat, so you don't know what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then before we send everybody off, I'll give you a, a line of dialogue that you have to use, a character that has to be in the film and uh prop that you need to use that way um all the creative process has to take place within that 48 hours 
the only thing that you can do ahead of time is location scouting. That way you know where you can film. But anything to do with writing, shooting anything, you can't use any stock footage, anything like that. Uh, all the creative process has to happen within that 48 hours. You can collect props and costumes ahead of time. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you if you're it, it's that's kind of a, a a tricky gray area because obviously you want to have things just you know because you need that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know you can't be like, well, whatever we pull, we're going to make it a western. So make sure we have all this western gear. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just be like, well, let's we need to make sure these people have clothes on them. So. Or have a rubber chicken available just in case. Yeah, yeah. Uh, always have a rubber chicken. Rubber that chicken, works yeah. for anything. Also, I recall there was a nudist uh, entry in the 48-hour film. There was, actually, point, so yeah. So you don't even need clothes. <laughs> I, I, I believe they actually won uh, Best Wardrobe or yep. something like that. <laughs> yeah. That was awesome. <laughs> what, how'd you get into this position? Uh, so... I I don't know. Um, Kama Sutra? No. Yeah, Kama Sutra always helps. Because uh, you know, I realized the question nice... I asked was not a good one. <laughs> <laughs> How did you become the producer of the 40-hour film, film project? There we go. Uh, there we go. Uh, so I applied for it, essentially. Uh, I've been doing 48-hour films for about six or seven years. My first one was in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And uh, as opposed to Albuquerque, anywhere else, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I came up, up here. I loved it. And so I, I found a team up here. Uh, continued to do it, continued to do it. And the the producer, Kristen Nolan, that's been doing it, I believe since its inception here in Denver, uh, stepped stepped down and headquarters sent out an email that said they were looking for applications. And you know how, I don't know, classic story of like, well, you know, no, they're not going to hire me, so I'm not going to do it. And a friend of mine kind of pushed me and was like, well, why don't you do it anyway? And she helped me fix up my resume a little bit so that I sounded intelligent. I turned it in and I was like, yeah, thanks. You know, I appreciate that. Cause it's, it really is good to, to try. And because not only if I didn't get it, I had a, a better resume at that point because of it. Um, you never know what'll happen. So they emailed me back and were like, Hey man, you got it. And I was like, woohoo. And then I threw up and, <laughs> and here we are. What's going to, make your 40 hour film project different than the rest. What are you bringing to the table? Uh, so I'm trying to bring, so the Denver community, there's, there's entertainment everywhere. Like, so I've, I, you know, I, I used to be married and, and had stepkids and stuff. So I had a family and I had a lot of focus. And so once a year I would do the 48 hour film. I knew that I would do entertainment that time. Uh, that has changed. So I have a lot more free time. That's why the, that's another reason. (laughs) Yeah, right. That's, that's another reason why I applied. Um, so going out and actually trying to network with everybody is, has been, honestly, it's been exhausting just because every night there's something to do and there's different areas that you can go check out and different people you can hang out with. Um, and so what I really want to do is, is, is take the 48 hour film project because it's a once a year thing. It's really fast paced. Use it kind of like a, I don't know, just kind of like a filter. Like everybody kind of funnels into it that, that wants to make movies and wants to be in entertainment, you know, through sound or, or acting or, or editing or whatever, get all those people together and interact with one, each other, each other, uh, rather than just being like, you know, Oh, it's a competition. So here's my film. And I'm throwing that up there and then I'm walking away like, no, like 
look at somebody else's film and if you're a filmmaker say i really like the way that this sound was i want to go talk to whoever that is and find out who that is and and make something else you know we have a whole year that you can do other things that you can plan for and edit and rewrite the script with the 48 you're under that deadline so you do get something done which is really cool but there's a whole year that that denver as a community can come together and make something amazing and you kind of want to push the community element rather than just stressing the competition element of 48 hour which has permeated it in the past right 100 percent. yeah i want to bring people together so that they can step out of it and and just do bigger and better things so my boy brad here has been have you been in everyone uh since 2010 um and he's never won what the fuck's up with that he (laughs) he makes the best films so i (laughs) i've seen a few of his films and uh, honestly they're always better than the ones i was doing uh i i one of my films got the uh runner-up audience choice award and i was like ecstatic like for me it's that's what it's about it's it's you know, we we have judges, and I'm I'm not judging. I'm not a part of that panel, so like, you know, coming here on the podcast, it doesn't win you any favor. Sorry, what man. the fuck? But you know, get him out of here. <laughs> you're a waste you're, of time. I know. Your plan failed, Brad. How, how does "Don't be a pussy" not win <laughs> best of the year? Right. But uh, so uh, for me, it's it's um, I I don't know. I mean, you know, the the awards are important and, you know, because we can, you know, we move up, we get a best of from Denver that moves up to all the cities around the world best of. So there's, I think, 130 ish cities now. Wow. Uh, And then there's another panel of judges that that picks their favorites and those go to the Cannes Film Festival. And so it's an amazing it's it's an amazing like grassroots way that somebody could get up in into can which is which is amazing i just read an email from the 48 that said uh a woman who did it one year she's like the head of hg hg tv now right yeah Yeah. i saw that too i was like it's and that's you know that's what i'm talking about bringing the community together because when you come together you can you can create something better than you can do on your own you know and i've seen filmmakers do you know they have just an iphone and they make their own like high schoolers and that's that's amazing and that's how you start and you just you build on that and build on that and even if you don't win it it should encourage you to go out and create even more like go beyond even the parameters of 48 and you right just like set up make your own feature make your own short whatever you choose to do exactly and and there are um you know once once the 48 hours over and and everything shakes out that film that you make is yours and so you can take that and be like i actually really liked the idea that we came up with and expand on it make it a series make it a feature whatever you want to do with it which is which is really cool because i i always the one that got the runner-up audience choice um i always thought it'd be really funny to make a a series of the disc man guy um (laughs) britney davies (laughs) i mean it was just it was funny and it was just out of nowhere we you know we we pulled sports and i remember vividly um uh tim that was the the writer he was like we were driving off and he's like well we're done i guess we're not making one this year i was like well wait let's think about it he's like what are we gonna do with sports like a baseball thing and i was like i don't know disc golf is a sport (laughs) (laughs) and you see this kind of like light go off in his head he's like oh yeah so the element is like those things are open to interpretation. So like 
yeah, that's a that is a sport. Right. But you're also welcome to invent a sport, like as long as the film makes sense. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It could be, you know, somersaults, whatever, or, yeah. you know, like, or it could be even, you know, the World Series of Poker is a sport, right? Yeah. E-games are sports, right? Basketball. Basketball. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's what's really, that's, that's what I really like about it too, is, is you are, it, it's, it's fast paced, it's high pressure and some of the most amazing things can happen when you're pushed, you know what I mean? And also that, like that work ethic and deadline like translates into the professional world. Yeah. yeah. So getting a sense of how that weekend shakes out, like that, that timeline, uh, can translate to the, like news, um, the news field. Like you have to turn around a story. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, time exactly. Or, uh, that's why they make up so much stuff at, with news. They're like, <laughs> oh, this just in, and we think it means, oh, no, we were wrong. They show up, <laughs> and they just pull, like, news topics out of a hat and then generate. Right. <laughs> Actually, that's, that is like a, that's a good premise, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, can people still register right now, and when does this year's 48-hour film festival drop, or project, whatever it's called now? Uh, project. It's always there been we called go. project. I don't know. Yeah. I, thought, I always said it was the festival, but so I guess it's, it's a, show. Actually, a lot of times call it a festival. Yeah, a lot of times it, people people use that misnomer just because the way that it's uh, been done in Denver, it's really the the premieres have been done festival style. Mm. So it's all day. So the you know, but the the term is forty eight hour film project. So perfect. Uh, but uh, so to answer the question, uh, so registration is open. Uh, early bird ends July eighth. And you can join a little, little less, uh, less expensive. I think um, one forty nine right now. Um, one forty eight. One forty eight. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a forty eight hour. Brad, do you want his job? <laughs> I know. Right? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Just so everybody I knows. A dollar. Just so everybody knows, there's a lot to go on. So I'm like, everything's in my brain. I saw the job description. I don't envy you. you yeah, have a lot to work on. I I do, and and I I really do have to give credit to to Kristen because I've got a I've got an amazing foundation to work with. If if I didn't have basically everything set up, but it it would be I I don't I don't know if I'd be able to do it. But I've got an amazing foundation that that I'm going to be able to build off of and. And I, I am going to change it. I am going to tweak it. I'll make it my own. But this first year, I'm going to try and make it as, as similar as possible. That way people can get to know me, build that trust with people so that if I do change something, they'll have that trust to kind of go along with me. Um, but, yeah, registration is open now. Um, Where at? At uh, www.48hourfilm.com. Slash Denver. Slash Denver. Yeah, if you go to the you go to the website, it, it'll 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 kind of guide you through. Click here, find your city, all that stuff. Um, and we're going to be filming August second, third, and fourth. That'll be the forty eight hours, uh, and then we're going to do the premieres on August eleventh. Wow. And I I haven't set the exact date for best of just yet. I'm working on getting the theater shored up for that. So I always forgot how fast a turnaround is. You know, you think about it, and I, I understand the film has to be made, you know, in 48 hours, but then it's screened, and then there's a best of. It's right. yeah. One year we had two weeks between this, the first screening, which was kind of nice for people who like to make posters and T-shirts. <laughs> right. And that's and I was I was really struggling with that, you know, and 
as as the producing it for the first year, I was like, maybe I do give that extra kind of breath so that I can make sure I get it done correctly for everybody. And it just didn't work out that way. And I was like, oh, man, this is going to be that's going to be go time. You know, sometimes it's when the space is available. (laughs) Yeah, that's all all you can really do. Exactly. So but um, and rates go up closer to the event. Right. So after July 8th, uh, the rates go up. I, uh, they go up, I think, like in $20, $30 increments, something like that. So, But you can sign up, I mean, as close as day of if uh, if we still have availability. We have availability for 60 teams, and last year we had 58. So I'm trying to, trying to push that, and so hopefully next year we can even expand it, maybe 65, you know. Cool. Um, so I'm doing the weekend, and... It's Sunday at 6 p.m., and our film has barely started editing. What do I do? Do I give up and go home and call it a day, or? No, you keep editing it. You get, uh, if you, if, even if you can get a crappy edit together and get it in by, by 7.30, the time that there's the cutoff, great, uh, or if you really want to take the time to fix it up and, and edit it correctly and turn it in at 9 p.m., it'll be late, so you won't be able to be eligible for any of the official awards, uh, but we'll still screen it, and you'll still be eligible for Audience Choice Awards, which is, my personal opinion, that's pretty awesome. Like yeah. critics, critics are great, and they're there for a reason, but sometimes... They they don't yep. fall in line with what people actually enjoyed. Awesome. So yeah. So even though I registered, spent the money for the weekend, didn't produce within the time frame. You know, there's still something that you can get out of it. Exactly. Yeah. And that, that I think that'll that helps too is is show you that yeah, deadlines are important. You got to get those deadlines, but a finished product is important as well. If you if you get up to that that time and and you decide, well, I didn't get there, so I'm going to give up. That's going to that's gonna affect your, I don't know, it kind of affects who you are as a person, I think, maybe. <laughs> yeah. um, don't not, give up. Not to put anybody down, but don't give up, man. It's, I, f- for me personally, from a personal standpoint, like where I am producing this, this is amazing for me. I, I've always loved the 48-hour film project, and to be involved, say, this is going to sound so cliche, but like I keep telling myself and when i applied for it i was like it's really cool because i love making films and i love being involved with the films but now i get to be involved with everybody's film i'm a part of everybody's film and i think that's neat i I know it sounds like cliche or whatever but it's awesome well i mean you need someone like that to be the producer because (laughs) if they're not enthusiastic about producing then being involved and they got the wrong person yeah this is something i always wondered about Kristen. are you allowed to over the weekend if someone says like hey Chad, like, like, not out of like, hey, maybe we'll get like a better uh, critique for uh-huh. the awards, but just like, can you it appears like a cameo in someone's film if they ask you? I don't think so. Um, You're barred from that. I think, yeah, I don't think I'm allowed to be in it at all. And I think because of, you know, if 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 you decide, hey, Chad, why don't you do a cameo? Because I thought about that. I'm like, I want to be in everybody's. Just walk through like <laughs> Hitchcock. Hitchcock. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I always thought it'd be fun to have like the way. producer to kind of appear for. Yeah, it really would. Thing. But I think that, you know, just from a standpoint of, even though I'm not Playing judging favorites. them, somebody else is judging them. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that the, just 
just being seen that way could be really bad. And even if you're in, you know, three or four films and then somebody else doesn't want you because they're like, Oh, I think that's bad. And, and then they don't win anything. Bad optics. Right. Yeah. yeah. So unfortunately, but I'm, I'm more than happy and willing to be anybody's films outside of the 48 hour film project. I do have an extensive acting background. So he's, he's for hire. (laughs) I just love that fact. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I was just like, eh, that's a separate issue, though. No one can see you do that. Yeah. Yeah. But if you have seen some of my 48-hour films, maybe you don't want to hire me. I don't know. He just not so subtly hands his headshots like Tobias Funke and Rusty <laughs> Right. <laughs> Said it right here. This man was legit funny. So. Yeah. Oh, it <laughs> really <Discman>. was. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. I like that one. So thanks for being on the show. Yeah, thanks uh, for having me. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever listened, but uh, every week we go see a new movie and we podcast our experience of the world. This week, we saw Toy Story 4. Yeah. Stay tuned to the end of the episode. We will tell you if you should see the film or not. Play the trailer, then spoil it. Chad, have you seen Toy Story 4? I did not have time. I'm sorry. It's all right. So you're more than welcome to hang out, or if you want to be like, you know what? I want to find out what happens to Woody and Buzz. Then you um, you know, you don't, you can tell us to fuck off. Um, Is that a Kama Sutra reference? Woody no. And Buzz again? Buzz. <laughs> <laughs> the Woody Buzz. Woody, oh, God. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Sorry, I just, I just thought of Woody in a bad way. A lot of plastic toys <laughs> up the butt. <laughs> nope, not that way. But <laughs> and we also talk about movies we've been watching, movie news, and movies that are coming out on Blu-ray. And we also go around town. But this week we did not just go around town with Brad. We went all the way up to the Great White North of Wyoming. And That's for, the Great White North. <laughs> and Brad is going to tell us about his journey through the I twenty-five past the. Cheyenne and other cities in Wyoming. Have you ever been to Wyoming? <laughs> I have. I've driven through the whole state. I know there's uh, Cheyenne, Sheridan, Wheatland, Casper, Casper, Buffalo, um, where Harrison Ford lives, Jackson Hole, um, Yellowstone's in it a little bit. Um, yep, that about does it. Harrison Ford's Chug in water. Wyoming. Chug water, that's right. <laughs> hey, they have great chili there. I always remember passing the signs. Get yourself some chug water chili. There are a lot of crash planes near Harrison Ford's residence. They just like laid yeah. about the street. <laughs> it's a learning curve. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to leave some space for the interstitial for a second. Hey, film buddies. Follow me around Denver. So, yeah, they're, they're, they're very big on advertising against drunk driving. Good. Uh, which is good, yeah, but it also tells me that um, Wyoming still doesn't get it. <laughs> hey, Mom, advertise it. I, I just crashed my car. No one's going to tell me how to drive my car. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. The road sodas are fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, I went to uh, basically, co- well, yeah, Powell, Wyoming, to uh, a drive-in that I was at 30 years ago to watch the Avengers Endgame for this 12th time. Nice. Jesus. Was it um, everything you wanted it to be? Was it worth the drive? It was. Um, the drive up, there was a lot of, like, there's kind of a lot of traffic. I, I was hopping cars a lot in the right lane. Uh, so that was annoying because I had to like be there a certain, like at seven o'clock. Actually, I had to be there at nine, but I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, I didn't know they'd show up half an hour before the, the drive-in opens up there. And their drive-in is about half as big as ours at the 88. Um, <laughs> But it was cool. Like um, their projector is also closer to the screen, so it was a lot brighter mm-hmm. of a watch. And then just being out in the middle of like nowhere under the stars was cool. Was there a lot of people there? Yeah, I think probably about the 
98% of the wow. place is full. I thought you were going to say 98% of, the, of <laughs> <Yeah>. Wyoming. Everyone in Wyoming was there. <laughs> That's what I love about Wyoming. There's nobody there. there it's literally nothing. Ma, yeah, do know. we hitch the wagon to go see the end game? <laughs> when you start getting to the northwest part of Wyoming, it is really pretty. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. But, you know, then you'd have to live in Wyoming. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was, a, I was surprised. Cause, like, I expected it to be wide open spaces, but I figured the way that Denver has accelerated and uh, populated so quickly i figured a lot of those spaces would be full and no it's still like long wyoming stretches mean? Of, huh what does wyoming mean does anybody know no hey siri <laughs> hey siri it's probably just probably somebody's last somebody. name yeah yeah james george wyoming, wyoming. can you hold up to the mic so we can hear it I'm okay, Siri. Thanks. We don't know what it means. Yeah, she <laughs> she doesn't know either. But oh, hey, we know some neat facts now. Yeah, now <laughs> we know some facts about Wyoming. It's the least populated state. It is. It is. First that's... to give women the vote. Yep. Yeah. What was it? I didn't know that. Yeah. That's it pretty just, cool. Yeah. yeah, that's what yeah. Siri just said. Oh, see, so yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Siri. Hard hearing. 1869. This podcast sponsored by Apple. <laughs> <laughs> My Siri is the Australian Siri. Because <laughs> she sounds close to Emily Blunt. Uh no, it's uh, I change her every once in a while. She was English for a while, then I made her Australian, but now they have Irish and South African. So I don't know. Hmm, we'll see. It's we'll Ryan's see. own ex machina. <laughs> <you're> feeling. <laughs> yeah. People think I'm weird because I always thank her, but you know she dug information out for me. I think it's polite to thank Siri. Yeah. I mean, she's I think we should get, one day. Yeah, I was gonna say we should get used to thanking robots. Exactly, so. and then she's gonna, you know, when she does become part of skynet yeah she's gonna say i remember when that Ryan guy thanked me all those times so i'm not gonna get a freaking poker through the eye yeah right. don't turn right here right there yeah. right there she <laughs> yeah. turns to you you're cool i'll let you die last <laughs> hey ryan whenever and i said i'd let you die last i lied <laughs> have you seen that parody video uh, by Boston mechanics that makes fun of the boston mechanics uh robot tests <laughs> no no <laughs> Like uh, it's amazingly, uh, the CGI is incredible. But you know, like those headless, just arms, legs, robots. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a bunch of you know test scientists like throwing packages at it, and it's you know it's, it's trying to pick them up, but they're like abusing them, and eventually it just turns to like them whipping it and shooting it with a gun, <laughs> and then the robot turns on them. It's fantastic. That's awesome. So we've been to Wyoming, and you told us about your journey through Wyoming. Did you see any antelope, deer, or elk? Uh, actually, yeah. Uh, so I w- I went up there eight hours, eight or nine hours to get to the drive-in to watch the movie. I watched the movie for three hours and immediately went home. So at oh, wow. two a.m., I was driving back to Denver overnight, and within I think about two minutes of like getting out of the drive-in and back onto the main road, I almost hit a deer. <laughs> um, it was crossing the road, and then I got to I think. What was the town? Thermopolis. And like the main town intersection, there's like a family of deer crossing, you know, the street. Uh, and then uh, somewhere kind of between 
I think Cheyenne and there, there was just a deer's head popped up out of the road. When I was like driving, I was like, Oh shit. No, he, oh, he's just going to hang out. Okay, cool. So, um, yeah, saw a lot of deer. Yeah. When I was going to Rod Stewart, cause I left it, um, Idaho Springs at seven at night. So it takes about 10 hours to get to Montana. So it's like three in the morning, maybe four. And I was just to the Montana border. And I was, I remember this vividly. I was listening to Billy Joel's Uptown Girl. And uh, so I'm cruising, and I come over this hill, and as I come down, there is a herd of elk through, like, on the road. And I'm like, fuck! And my uh, my cop, like, driving brain kicked in, and I weaved through all of them and didn't hit them. And I went, training in real life <laughs> just came totally true. And I'm just imagining that all to Uptown Girl right now. Yep. Like, it was <laughs> all worth it. <laughs> I can see you just like holding the wheel as you're going through screaming high pitched oh, like and then afterwards you thinking you were singing the song oh, as yeah, you yeah. did it. No, I'm pretty sure it was Fuck <laughs> <laughs> And uh Yeah but they were scared so they didn't move, so that's good. Because I right. went around them like there were cones. Yeah. And uh yeah. That's there the, were cones. <laughs> the first one I almost <laughs> ran into it was that he looked at the car. The headlights suddenly <laughs> appeared to him, and he just froze. And yep. so, luckily, I wasn't going so fast that I couldn't just. I mean, stop. I know they're animals, and they're not as smart as us. But you would think that they would know that this area has very fast-moving things, and maybe I shouldn't try to cross it. I think they're attracted to uh, like, oh, there's daylight over there, so mm. I should go over there because it's not scary. Yeah, yeah, and then they get a rude awakening. Yep. <laughs> a rude are awakening in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> so, Brad, what's happening in Denver? Tell me what's going on in Denver this week. Um, the Esquire is alive and well again. Woo! Um, you can watch uh, The Dead Don't Die there, uh, but in July they'll finally have their Midnight Madness up and running again, which I believe starts with Alien on July 2nd. Nice. So, Brad, you've been there. Do you still get the free Colonel Seasonings popcorn seasoning? Oh, I didn't check. You son of a bitch. <laughs> I told you that last week to check for me. You had one That's job. true. They may not. Because I do listen. <laughs> oh, see? See? I know. I remember you asking about that. But uh, their concession stand wasn't 100%. Mm. So I think because... So they're kind of slow rolling everything out? Yeah. So uh, actually, when That's I went in, <laughs> uh, they're, work they're working on bringing alcohol into the... Mm. Uh, so a lot of the stuff that and i think they're going to do more food options mm. so a lot of that equipment isn't in yet but actually when i went in to take my seat i was one of the first ones in there and i started taking photos of it um i was like it seems really dark and you're like what's missing and you know how like the there's like colored lights around the perimeter yeah. of the theater and they weren't on mm. and so i was like oh no did they remove those part of the re renovation and i talked to the manager and she's like oh i know i forgot something mm. like uh so those are still there um so yeah there's the they're showing movies, but a lot of the stuff is kind of like, and also a lot of the knickknacks aren't on the wall. And um, it's kind of one of those things where it's like we're not fully done yet, but we need to open and get revenue so that we can afford to finish exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, makes sense. So, and I forgot to check the upstairs, so I don't know what the state of that was. But they're playing it's probably, probably where they have that stuff is totally. upstairs. Yeah. Um, so, but my uh, my prediction of the size of the concession stand, like when I walked around outside and before they opened, and it seemed like oh, they got rid of the projection room. It's actually this. They didn't change any of that. It's just it just looks bigger because there's stuff missing. Mm -hmm. So that, or sometimes you can use paint or reconfigure stuff, and it makes it look bigger. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So or you're blind. One of the two. Um, and the manager also said like it wasn't like a catastrophic flooding. 
like that rumor. It was just the plumbing was bad. And in the midst of fixing it, they're like, well, we're, we're going to have to be shut down anyway. So why don't we tear out the carpet Might and the well. seats? Mm, there you go. And uh, yeah, so it wasn't like they flooded and the theater was going to be shut down if they didn't fix it. It was just a matter of like, mm-hmm. hey, we have this opportunity. We'll do it. And they should. I mean, you got to change to survive. Yeah. yeah. Because, I mean, now, I mean, moving theaters now are starting to realize that to get people to go to them, that they got to make it more comfortable and um, more like your home. Right. Which is it's interesting because they're putting in like with Esquire, they're putting in less seats so that your experience is more enjoyable, which is pretty interesting. Usually it's like like with airplanes. They're like, you know, yeah. if we take out a couple of inches, everybody can get in like a sardine. Oh, no. It's, I mean, yeah. Airplanes are a joke now. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Good. Yeah. And uh, I, I miss the, I do What's miss the squeaky the deal seats with though. Airplanes. <laughs> <laughs> I had to do it. Yeah, I, I held back. <laughs> I do miss that squeak of the seats though. Like, nope. It's just like an auditory thing that makes cause it's a, it's kind of a weird blend of old and new at the same time um, in the theater. Um, that's why I, that's why I really do enjoy going to the bug. I mean, you still have that. I don't know, the nostalgic feel, yeah. The the aesthetic's still there, yeah. Yeah. Don't worry, you still got the Mayan's got its squeaky seats. Yeah, the Mayan hasn't hasn't changed at all, because it's a a landmark, so they have to get approval to make, you know, a paint uh, upgrade or something. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's pretty tricky there. landmark as far as the company that owns it? Sorry, the Mayan. Yeah. I said the mine, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. But you said landmark, but it's, it's a historical. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Because the landmark does own it, right? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I, I was yeah. confused. I don't think the Shea Artiste, maybe the Shea Artiste still has its seat, squeaky seats. I can't no, remember. They renovated that yeah, one, too. Okay. All right. So. The Shea Artiste, yeah. <laughs> um, I, did look, I did look up Wyoming, though. Okay, cool. I need uh, to know. According to the Wyoming Secretary of State, the name Wyoming is a contraction of the Native American word Metchewaiming, or at the Big Plains. Oh, it makes sense. See? Real Nerds Podcast, movies and learning. Yeah. La, la, la. We're totally <laughs> certified teachers. <laughs> but, you know, eventually there'll be naming rights, you know, sold to corporations and yep. they'll get renamed. So. <laughs> Rocks are energy drink presents <laughs> Wyoming. <laughs> right. Rocks are energy Wyoming. Take your energy drink and go for a run on the big old plane. Oh, I, I try, I'm trying to remember Idiocracy's energy drink, but it's that. <laughs> oh, man. Walmart's Arkansas. <laughs> Where every day is shopping. Um. So, yeah, there's that. And then the, uh, the 88 drive-in is changing it up to Toy Story 4, Godzilla, and Aladdin. So, where is that? 88th and Rosemary. Uh, so you take I 76 or I 25 um, up north and get off at 88th and then okay. just head down to 88th and Rosemary. Cool. And you'll see it. It's a fun drive in. Go there. Yep. Yeah, I didn't know it existed. The only way, the only reason I know it's around is because of you guys. Cool. It's I working. Have, <laughs> I haven't, yeah. And I, have, I haven't been there yet, but I'm like, yeah, we've That'd actually awesome. got a closer one. It's the Denver Mart drive-in, and you can actually see the back of the screen poking up over uh, I-25. Okay. Um, but they show two movies, and it's like 14 or $17. Uh, 88 drive-ins, 8 bucks for three movies. So. That's cool. 9 bucks now. Oh, yeah, 9 bucks now. Sorry. Well, well that dollar just, <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah. You just 
That yeah. cuts into my cigar money, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was my deciding factor. I'm just going to bootleg this on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Movie news happened this week in a segment we call Real News. It's Real News! Um, the original Jaws shark has been fully restored for the Academy Museum of Motion Pictures, uh, which is a new museum that will be opening up soon. Yeah, by um, Greg Nicotero. Yep. Looks good. Oh, yeah. Bruce the Shark. Looking solid, yeah. I mean, Actually, I'm, when I was at, did you see, uh, it, uh, did you go to the Alamo? They have a new trailer for their Jaws movie party, and it's just, um, you know, Quint talking about, I'll give you the head, the tail, you know, that speech, but it's to the Jaws theme. Like, wow, that really works in this scene. It's a pretty solid trailer. I like when they re-edit, like, re-edit the film for, like, their own specific trailer. Yeah. Like, you don't need necessarily need the original theatrical trailer, although I like the theatrical oh, trailer. Oh, no, the theatrical trailer is amazing, but, you but know. That's a good one, yeah. Um, we'll move into some news. Uh, Ryan, we're getting a Black Christmas remake again. <laughs> nice. Blumhouse just decided to drop this on us at the last minute. <laughs> Wait a minute. The call's coming from inside the house. <laughs> I think that's kind of like how the killer sounds. <laughs> um, but I guess Carrie Elwes has also joined up on yeah. the uh, proceedings. I'll see because Carrie Elwes is in it. <laughs> um, yeah. No. It, it, I mean, I didn't see the remake from 06. It's not bad. Or but, Black Xmas. <laughs> but, I mean, it's the, the premise is so ripe for someone to constantly remake it that they're going to always remake it because everybody can relate to it. They see a Black Christmas, you think a slasher film at Christmas, people will go, okay. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so that'll be a fun. I mean, it I'll kind of also it. It keeps in line with them restoring the classic slasher films a little yep. bit. But, um, I mean, I don't think we'll need a sequel to Black Christmas because that film was supposed to be open-ended to a yeah, degree. Yeah, it's called New Year's Day. <laughs> or New Year's Evil. Have you seen that one? Yes. <laughs> Evil. That great. <laughs> That's what the killer says on the phone. It's pretty bad. Like the fruits yeah. of the devil. <laughs> Evil. So, um, uh, in additional Blumhouse news, uh, we are getting uh, Halloween 2 <gasps> in 2020. And Jamie Lee Curtis and David Gordon Green are likely to return. Wait, wait, he, his... he died in that house. How is that possible? Because <laughs> it's a franchise and shut the fuck up. <laughs> wait, <laughs> the can't mo- argue that. The most shocking <laughs> news of the week that it cost $10 million to make and it made $258 million worldwide. What? <laughs> Even if they make half of that, they don't care. You know, in an alternate world, Jason Blum's like, now nah, we're good. We're last on our laurels. But he is a businessman and this can make no, money. No, it's fine. I, I also, like, it. Technically, there is a shot where you don't see him in that fire, so it yeah. is possible that he escapes. Or when it blows up, he gets shot out. <laughs> right. Go yeah. to space. <laughs> he, he, maybe he hid in the refrigerator yes. and exploded oh, in the refrigerator. Be, that would be so Halloween fucking X. awesome. Oh, if he went into a refrigerator and it blew out and he kicked off the refrigerator door all pissed off. Bunch of CGI. I want to see that. You know what? <laughs> Copyright. Real Nerds Podcast. He turns Boom. around and stares at the nuclear explosion. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Bunch of CGI gophers are looking at him with them. <laughs> oh, man. I want to see that. So, I want to so see that. Um, but yeah, no. Um, I'm going to watch Crystal Skull this week. Oh, that movie. It says that David Gordon Green wrote the script. It doesn't confirm that he's going to direct. Um, so this must be the one that he... Because they originally proposed a back-to-back film that they ended up combining into the one film that we got. So um, I'm curious. I- I'm down for it. Um, I-, I mean, I-, I like the finality of that Halloween reboot, but obviously you can go anywhere with this franchise because they've managed to do so for the past... 40 years so uh yeah that'll be a lot of fun uh stay tuned for more halloween news from me and my obsessed ass um mark hamill says he's done with star wars after rise of skywalker and that he is going to be a force ghost 
In other he, news, water is wet. He <laughs> he did say he hopes. So yeah. you know there there's plenty of uh, paychecks that could yeah, come his way. Just that keep like backing up that dump truck, I'll show up. Right, you know, I I saw that and I, I I thought it was pretty interesting because he's he's an interesting guy. Just like all the things that he does and oh, yeah. and how much that he has been involved and loved Star Wars over the years. Even he's getting tired of it, which is. Uh, I don't know. That's kind of. I'm a big Star Wars guy. I love Star Wars. That's kind of. It's just so saturated that there's so much that even even the Star Wars guy is like meh. I like playing a killer doll now. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> or a crown clown prince of crime. Um, uh, yeah, he said that the fact that I'm involved in any capacity is only because of that peculiar aspect of the Star Wars mythology where if you're a Jedi, you get to come back and make a curtain call as a Force ghost. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Something tells me he might be trolling, too. Yeah, also. Well, yeah. I mean, as far as the for- Force ghost thing, because there's there's no way they would let him drop that like knowledge without prior clearance. I don't know. I mean, they may have given it to him because there's... Everybody knows he's in it already, right? Yeah. And that's the only way he can be in it. Again, this is could it? be just oh. assumptions on uh, all of our parts. And yes, Mark Hamill could be trolling us. He is, is, he, a, he is, a, ooh, he's, he's notorious But he's for a good it, right? troll. He's he not could, bad. Yeah. He could come back as a, like a clone or something, you're yeah. right? Yeah. 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 Like I said, like Mark Hamill, the only good troll around. Or even just um, flashbacks. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so we were gone last week because we had our 400th episode, which you can check out now on realnerdspodcast.com and on our feed. Uh, but we got a Doctor Sleep trailer. You can also find it on freaking Spotify. Yeah. Do you know we're on Spotify now? No. Nice. We're also on iHeartRadio. Do you know we're on iHeartRadio? Are we? I haven't checked yet. I signed up. Uh, it said welcome, so I just assumed. Oh, no. That was just like, hey, you registered, but they, oh. they give you like a 12-day trial. Like review period, so I haven't checked yeah. if that's gone through yet. Okay. So uh, you can't find us on Spotify, though. I know we're there. <laughs> My wife found us. Cool. And then she immediately deleted it. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> she flagged it for inappropriate content. Exactly. That's why we're not on iHeartRadio. Uh, but yeah, no, we got a trailer I for Doc. Fart Radio. <laughs> fart well, radio. now you're not. Fart radio. <laughs> I just got a rejection email. <laughs> is that what CB, what CB Radio is now? I Fart Radio? <laughs> um, no, we got a trailer for Dr. Sleep, uh, the new film from Mike Flanagan, who did uh, Gerald's Game, uh, which you saw Gerald's Game, right, Ryan? Yeah. Yeah, you liked it? It's good. Yeah. Um, did you see the trailer for Dr. Sleep, Mr. I Ryan? I did. What did you think? It was all right. Yeah, it looks fine. Um, uh, I think Ewan McGregor will do a fine job. Um, I was actually pretty fascinated that, given sh- Stephen King's opinions on Kubrick shining, that he would allow a coexistence yeah, between... the shining is not... The shining. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, you read my thoughts! <laughs> you got the shining! <laughs> um, I'm surprised that the... Stephen King would um, be comfortable with the melding of the two, but well, Warner Brothers is The Shining is a money machine still to this day because that film has a legacy. To it's it. highly regarded. Yeah, not amongst me, but I mean, other people like it. I like The Shining. Um, I don't think it's a great horror film. I think it's a good thriller film. Um, but uh, the uh, and yeah, I guess they they only recreated or they only used one shot from the original film in the trailer, so everything else has been recreated. So. Um, good on Flanagan because it looks very close to that director. Look. Yeah, um, yeah. So check that out when it um, pops up. Are they this... filming up in the same same place? 
It didn't say, um, but I, I mean, I'd have to assume if not, that they're just kind of reconstructing some interior sets because yeah. the, the Doctor Sleep is a sequel with Danny Torrance years later. I don't think it's all going to take place in the Overlook, but oh, I, haven't gotcha. read the, okay. I haven't read the book Doctor Sleep, so maybe it has a bunch of stuff in the Overlook Hotel, and I'm not like privy to it. Um, but but uh, this just in. We are on iHeartRadio. <laughs> yes. But even if you type in all the way Real Nerds Podcast, we are not even in the top 10 of things that come up. <laughs> That's because so, we're just brand new. Yeah, you, you, have, you have to scroll down we're gonna climb to find the, us. We're, we're going to climb the charts. Casey Kasem is going to talk about us on his show. Oh, wait. No, he can't talk about it anymore. He's dead. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was following you for a minute, and then I was like, eh, oh. Yeah, Zach, Zach will do that. <laughs> Classic Zach. Yeah. Oh, KZK. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, the voice of Shaggy is dead, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so we talked about Dark Phoenix in episode 399, and uh, already it's leaving a ton of theaters because nobody went to see it. Um, yeah, so a very sad end for the X-Men franchise is that it's just getting pulled as quick as Mallrats was back in 95. <laughs> um, the uh, Which, I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's a terrible movie, no. but it definitely has issues. It's weak. And it's all, terrible, though. the moment it flopped, like all the all the stories came out going like, well, it was his fault and his fault and his fault. <laughs> That's yeah. a new thing now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They did it with Men in Black International mm. as well. Is what? Blaming other people? Blaming Trouble Productions yeah, and yeah, like, saying, well, I mean, I had this one vision, but, you know, Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson had to bring in dialogue people because the dialogue sucked in this film. Oh, uh, really? Um, studio insiders say. Yeah. They also got to make room for Avengers Endgame returning to theaters this weekend. Yes. Yeah, yes. Getting to that. Yeah, you can uh, see Avengers Endgame with a new post credit sequence. And according to Kevin Feige, other s- extra surprises and goodies. And yep. Another cast tribute or something like that, or like another Stanley. Yeah. Or yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's all to beat Avatar, guys. <laughs> I'm going to go see it again. We have to do this. Right. I was going to say, because Avatar was re-released, right? And that's oh, why they yeah, have lots. that thing. Because I've seen a lot of people saying like, oh, they're only releasing it to beat. They're they're staying on point with I what they it. did. They got an extra $10 million from that re-release. Right. So. I am I still don't understand. I don't, I think. People are lying about how much money Avatar made. It still doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense to me either. But it's one of those things where you know, I I I wonder how much money was put into the publicity of it to be like, this is the best movie ever. You have to go see it. Yeah. And so I think that's what really drove that yeah. uh, that desire. Uh, yeah. It was also kind of the first one out of the gate for the like the 3D revival. Yeah. So it was like the first really good 3D movie. Yeah. And, and its worldwide push is a big factor in it like you can't no, no, i should see it again i haven't seen it in 10 years so. well well you need to help end game first oh no i'm yeah. going to i'll, yeah. I'll be it yeah <laughs> i i uh i wonder if they're gonna release in 3d as part of the re-release because obviously that's like a 20 dollar yeah. 21 dollar ticket yeah, i don't know <laughs> I, it's pretty great I'm not 3D. A 3d guy oh it was awesome though um but yeah no uh you, you can go check that out um i mean Guys, at the end of the day, they own both Avatar and Avengers, so it's all just more money for Disney at this point. So no, I can't. Uh, I I was at work last week, and I went up. So I work a day shift, and the guy on the other side of the week, we call him A side, B side. I said, "Hey, man, you should totally work for me on Tuesday, so I can go see Spider Man." He said, "Okay." <laughs> <laughs> so I took out Tuesday. I'm going to see it in the morning with my wife, who wants to go see it weird, and then she's going to. Has she not seen it? Uh, no, Spider Man. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, so I'm going to go see it, Spider-Man at 1230 and then um, we're going to hang out with my kid, I guess. And then I'm third. She's going to she's going to fuck off, go home and I'm going to go see it in IMAX. <laughs> so I will see it twice in one day. 
Um, more news. Uh, San Diego Comic-Con is coming, and apparently Top Gun Maverick is coming to that Sweet. con. So we will get some Top Gun Maverick news. I know it's going to be a long first. year. No Tom Cruise movie. Yeah. What, what are you going to do? Uh, hopefully he fights Justin Bieber. I swear to God I want to see that. <laughs> like, what? What possessed that child to make that tweet? Like, I don't know. Attention. I, I, yeah, I, I don't know. It's working. It's, it, it spawned my favorite thing, which was Brent Spiner ch- challenging Agatha, or not? Ag- uh, what was her name? Angela Lansbury to a fight, and Dick Van Dyke <laughs> stepping up to defend her, and then Brent Spiner going, "I withdraw." <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. It was. It's it, the Twitter exchange is much funnier than the way I described it. Just like look it up, Brent Spiner v Dick Van Dyke, Dawn of Silly. Um, uh, Bill and Ted three casting. Uh, they got Anthony Kerrigan from Barry. Um, he's one of the standouts from that show. In um, Gotham. Yeah. Oh, he is in Gotham. He plays Zaz. Um, which, and, which one was he on Barry? Uh, he is. Um, See the bald guy that has yeah, the funny. Yeah, he's the bald guy. Yeah, hilarious. Yeah. I love that that show. And yeah, he was awesome. Which leads me to believe that my he might play the son of death, but that's also a tricky fan theory that I'm not gonna you know try to push. Um, Whoa. <laughs> like you're like the son of death dude but it, but it says he's the villain <laughs> i could be fucking ted okay <laughs> can you be keanu reeves though yeah what if he's the son can of rufus and he's the villain yeah when i when i hug females so next year at denver pop culture con when we have guests in our booth and we take their picture i'm so gonna have my hands sticking out so i'm not hugging them <laughs> i'm gonna call that keanu style um and then in the last piece of news uh clint eastwood won't fucking die uh, and instead is going to make another movie called The Ballad of Richard Jewell, which is I about... I you like Clint Eastwood. You, I, I do. We already talked about this. I do. I do. I love, the, I, I, love his, I love his flicks for the most part. I loved researching him, but I need him to stop because I don't want to write another article. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a selfish thing, Ryan. Um, I always want Tom Cruise to have more movies. No, actually, this, this would be his 38th film, um, directorial film. Um, and he... Uh, it, this, it's the story of the security guard who was... Uh, suspected of the uh, Atlanta bombing during the Olympics. Um, and he's got John Hamm and Olivia Wilde joining the cast. Um, but he's also got Paul Walter Hauser from I, Tonya and Black Klansman joining yeah. the cast. Yeah, we, Cobra Kai. Yeah. <laughs> and we oh, talked about Cobra this Kai? two weeks ago, too. Oh, shit. <laughs> he, no, uh, we did talk about it. Yeah, we did. What? Didn't we talk about this? No. What? Paul Walter Hauser? Yeah. No, we didn't. I, no, we talked about Bla- Ballad of Richard Jewell. Like, yeah, but we didn't talk about ago. Paul Walter Hauser from I, Tonya joining this cast, which I think... No, we didn't. That's the reason I wanted to bring it up is like he is the standout in those two films, one of the standouts in Black Klansman, but definitely the standout in I, Tonya, and I want to see him flourish. He is an the interesting The biggest standout actor. for me in Black Klansman is it's Lucy Goosey with the facts. <laughs> hey Still a wonderful film, one of the best mm-hmm. films of last year. In Cobra Kai, like in the second season, he just kind of shows up as like he's a home depot employee and then he just joins the cobra kai dojo and he's like a 40 year old man (laughs) (laughs) trying to do karate and yeah he's just completely silly it's great anyway that's news blu-rays and 4k come out every week we're going to tell you about a few of them dvd releases and blu-rays uh, last week, you could pick up us on Blu- Blu-ray 4K digital. Uh, please book. go see George Peele's Us. <laughs> Steelbook's awesome. Uh, do you think it's still around? I haven't. Uh, got, I, I, haven't I got it yesterday, so yeah. Okay, cool. I'm going to pick it up. Um, I haven't had time this week. What is Steelbook? I've heard you guys talk about that, so, and I don't like buy anything physical copies oh, of yeah, anything uh, anymore. There should be one somewhere. So yeah, Steelbook is uh-huh, uh, a metal case that usually has exclusive art to okay. them, and they're usually 
um, pretty nice. So stuff like us. Um, That's a DVD one though of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But it's uh, it's similar. Yeah. Uh, the us one is just a pair of scissors, and it's all black, and the scissors are gold, and so it's embossed. It looks really nice. Yeah. Yeah, that's Batman Ninja. Okay. That's an example of what happens Ooh. when the steelbook is destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, um, this week, though, um, you can pick up Tim Burton's Dumbo in uh, Blu-ray 4K. The, and the steelbook for that's really nice, though. It's uh, oh, it, it's like painted wood. Yeah, like this. Yeah, it's, yeah. it looks really nice. Too bad the, uh, the movie is complete garbage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but you can also get uh, Cinderella, the Kenneth Branagh one in 4K uh, as well. Weird. Uh, Great movie, though. And I guess Cinderella is getting the Walt Signature Collection, but yep. not on 4K, just only on Blu-ray, yep. which is kind of interesting to me. Uh, Shout Factory and Scream Factory got lots of stuff coming out. Uh, oh, I do have one coming from them this week. Is it, is it the Green Inferno? Nope. Okay, then it's not the Green Inferno. Whatever. You can pick up the Green Inferno from 2013, which I think is a fun movie. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you can also get Night of the Creeps. There you go. That's the one you're getting. Uh, you can get that in on Blu-ray. And, Thrill uh, me. If you, I think it's still available. Possibly, I guess not. The action figure exclusive from Screen. Ah, uh, last time I checked, it was. Um, so if you want a Tom Atkins doll, but they didn't recommission the front cover because the original poster is so awesome. Um, it's just a zombie with roses, mm. and it says, "The good news is your dates are here. The bad news is they're all dead." And uh, you can... that sounds like oh, good God. news, bad news. Yes. <laughs> Have you ever seen Night of the Creeps? No. Oh, it's genius. It's uh, it? Fred Decker before Monsters. Is that the one with the right? slugs? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's total B movie, but it's fun. It, right. It, it yeah. manages to meld a lot of different subgenres of horror together into one cohesive. Like, it's really good. I love it. Like, yeah. it's a fifty sci-fi movie, a slasher movie, and a zombie movie all at the, all at once. Oh yeah, I think the you know the person that Tom Atkins is haunted by the zombie, and it's really effective. Mm-hmm. The dead guy. Oh yeah. Um, and. Uh, Blue Underground is putting out the New York Ripper. Um, the cover is capitalizing on that Jack the Ripper craze. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, it, that's still around. <laughs> the Jack of the Ripper craze. Uh, it's just a gal in lingerie and a knife is uh, coming towards her. So yep. find out if she escapes that knife in the New York Ripper. She you probably had me at lingerie. <laughs> I'm in. Uh, that's how I get some of the Scream Factory stuff. I still haven't watched it. I I got to catch up on my. Uh, Scream Factory crypt, but I it, it's called Daughters of Satan, and it's literally these women in torn clothes on the front with knives. It's probably complete garbage. <laughs> Sounds like it, yeah. <laughs> Tom Selleck is in it as well, and I, I said, you know what, Daughters of Satan and women in scantily clad with knives, I'll watch it. Um, and uh, Criterion is putting out War and Peace from 1966, mm. and Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Uh, My wife loves that movie. I haven't watched it. Um, of course she does. It's like a sad, depressing rock thing about being trans. My wife really likes movies where people struggle. She doesn't like to be... She, she, her entertainment is being sad and depressed. I feel that. And I, I love I, watching movies like that. You oh, walk yeah. away and you're just like, man. We'll talk about what we've been watching, but my wife... I watched this movie uh, last week, and my wife told me it's one of her favorite movies, and it blew my fucking mind because... My wife is usually being the one who says, um, let's sit down and watch The Color Purple today. Like, really? So the question is, yeah. do you get this Criterion Edition, bring it home, put it on the shelf that she questions you for having? Mm. I don't know. That's a good Look, question. Look, honey, I got something for you to I, put I on the shelf. I don't know if she'd appreciate it. Do they have just a standard $5 Blu-ray? Because, <laughs> <laughs> sure I mean, the Criterion's, you know, $30. She doesn't, want, she doesn't want to watch the commentary in the making of? <laughs> no, she could give... 
Man, but yes, there is a five dollar version. I'm trying to think of a movie that I saw her watching special features on, and I don't think it exists. Hmm. <laughs> so it's invisible. Maybe. I don't know. Give me a, give me a minute. Let me think about it. Maybe seven. For sure. Well, while you're waiting, I will tell you that Warner Archive is putting out Gaslight uh, from oh, 1944. Yes, it is. Uh, you could check that out on Warner Archive. They're killing it, by the way. They just announced The Thin Man, and I'm super excited. My uh, my cousin Lisa, her husband is uh optometrist, surgeon guy uh, in South Dakota, and he put together uh, like a fundraiser kind of thing, and he showed Gaslight. Ooh. was a movie he was showing for nice. a fundraiser, yeah. <laughs> Dr. Chris. Oh, yeah. Gotta fucking love that. Um, and uh, Shout, Shout Select is putting out a movie called Fatso from 1980, and uh, it's directed by Anne Bancroft. This is an underrated flick. I would check it out. Uh, it's one of the films that Brooks Films was producing under that label that did The Fly, The Elephant Man, and all that stuff. So uh, it's it's actually probably the best Dom DeLuise performance in terms of just not just being silly, but like he's grounded. Better in than film. Mafia? I believe it. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and then it uh, looks like it's about it. Um, oh, uh, actually, you know what? Screen Factory is putting out Monster on the Campus, which uh, it's a werewolf-looking thing, it seems like. Uh, I do love that Screen Factory is putting out all these horrible monster films from the 50s. There's like drive-in like, oh, there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't um, get them because they're still expensive, but because those ones, for some reason, on their website, they never drop in price, and they're 27 bucks each. That's a lot of money for probably a shit movie. Here's here's what the poster. They probably don't produce a lot of them. They right. don't. Yeah. As I say, it's such a niche market. Oh yeah, they don't at all. Yeah. And that's why I, I mean I understand. Obviously, you know when you get stuff, Army of Darkness is twelve dollars from right. them. It's because they sell thousands of them. Yeah, I get it. Here's the here's what the uh, text on the cover says. So again, it's a like a wolf, werewolf type of monster. Uh, and then two college kids running away, and one of them has a college sweater on because, of nice. course, it was the fucking fifties. Um, <laughs> uh, co-ed beauty captive of man monster, campus terror, student victims of the terror beast. Nice. Well, because I mean, I have some of their. They have uh, internet exclusive ones, like the Velvet Vampire. <laughs> yeah, that's We're, the one you told me was. It's weird. Yeah, but the reason I I love it because I I totally got it for the. Again, for the cover alone, it's this woman vampire, and she's holding up a severed head. Never happens in the movie, but like, <laughs> it's still pretty awesome. I like how you're like the velvet vampire. It's weird, but you don't say. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the name alone didn't. <laughs> uh, I know there's like she come out in the daytime, and there's a cemetery where there's people. I don't know. It's weird. Comes out and she just sparkles. The sun doesn't really <laughs> yes. hurt. It's yeah, magnificent. If you need to film. be sold on Monster on Campus, the blood of a primitive fish exposed to gamma rays causes a benign research like professor to regress into an ape-like, bloodthirsty prehistoric humanoid. Nice. That, yeah, that's oh hominid. Hulk, yeah. Sorry, yeah. not even humanoid. Hominid. Yes. I was wrong in my words. But yeah, so if you want to watch the monster on the campus. Well, maybe one day. Maybe one day. When I do, when I do a series of articles on 50s sci-fi <laughs> private movies. Oh my God, it would never end. Oh no, it'd be, it'd be <laughs> the longest thing ever. Because every time I'd think I'd finish, they'd find five new ones in some guy's closet. <laughs> anyway, that's Blu-rays. We also watch movies throughout the week in a segment I call What We've Been Watching. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. Jack, I'm going to start with you. Anything you want to tell us you've been watching this week? Uh, I don't. Well, um, 
Sorry, this is uh, yeah, dead I'm, air right there. I apologize. I'm putting I you on the spot. Panicked. Uh, well, I don't like. I don't really watch movies or anything like that lately. Um, I've been so busy going out and you know interacting <laughs> with people, working, um, and so. I have been watching a lot of like I I really do like going to the bug. They do the emerging filmmakers project that um, actually the next one, uh, forty eight hour film project is taking over and it's going to be nothing but forty eight hour films. Um, but that's a lot of fun because it's a lot of local stuff, which is for me. It's it's you know the big blockbusters. Endgame is great. I'm a huge comic book guy and I love that stuff. But those people came from somewhere and I love going out and watching local films and and supporting each other because being an audience member is actually something that is is overlooked a lot of times is people are like oh i'm gonna go to my thing because my my movie is showing and they don't go to anybody else's so i'm trying to get out now that i have the time and the availability um to go out and support people by being an audience member so i've been seeing a lot of things that you know i can't i can't recall the names of off offhand but i've been seeing a lot of live performances and uh a lot of uh like stuff at the bug, emerging filmmakers project, stuff like that. Very cool. Cool. So if we go around town like Brad, there's a chance we can run into you in the Denver film community. One hundred percent. Very cool. Yeah. Brad, what'd you watch this week? Uh I I did a lot of uh revisited watches, um, but I can't remember them all. Okay. So I did really fast. But I'll I'll start with uh some stuff that I saw outside the house, which uh the Alamo showed a film from 1987 slasher movie called Killing Spree. <laughs> how, how is this amazing? It's, I expected it. So when I watched Blood Lake a couple months ago, yeah, that was a disappointing, like, this is just someone's VHS shitty movie they shot over the weekend with their friends who just happened to be there and didn't want to be in it, but. It's okay to, to be. It's okay to shoot a movie in a weekend. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying. Uh, <laughs> Fred, stop shooting yourself in the foot. <laughs> Valid. <laughs> but that, he needs talented people making a film. Over that's the not. Right. What, that's not what put me off. It was the fact that it felt like the people in the film didn't want to be a part of it and were just there because they were his friends. That's awesome. Um, but uh, this movie was amazing because it felt like. I was watching a horror slasher version of The Room. Okay. Ooh. Um, so there's this husband who, for some reason, thinks, kind of out of nowhere, thinks his suspects his wife is cheating on him. Um, and then throughout the movie, these random guys come to the house. Uh, like one's his but He works as a airplane mechanic, and so... I think one of the pilots is his best friend. He comes over. Um, the gardener comes over. Uh, I think some guy selling, like a door-to-door salesman comes over. And each time they come over, she writes the encounter down in her diary, and it becomes like an erotic novel. Um, and so the husband finds the diary, and each time he reads it, you know, he, he gets more and more insane, and he starts killing these people as they re-show up to the house. Um, and... You know, halfway through, you're like, oh, clearly she's writing it for somebody. It's all fake. She's just using them as inspiration. Um, but it's 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 B-movie level, like, just terrible gore effects. Um, and when he reads the diary, it's funny because he even says, what's the line? Um, like, why would I even bother reading this? Like, it's a little self-aware to the point where it feels like, you know, this is, this is 87, so it's years before The Room, but... 
everyone is so acting just like on a different level that you think it they might know that it's silly. <laughs> um, it's like calling it out like, oh, why am I even reading this? Because I need to move the plot along and this is the only way I can do that. <laughs> yeah. Hey, thanks for calling it out. <laughs> or this, this is garbage, but we're getting paid to do this, so I'm going to try it. So like the first kill is the pilot uh, best friend, and he, even though he brings over his girlfriend, the husband is still like, you know, you slept with my, you're like, you're cheating on uh, my wife, and he kills the girlfriend upstairs, and then like there's this balcony, and he's you know like maniacally, cartoonishly laughing, and then he holds up the terrible fake head and then throws it at the best friend and that kills his best friend <laughs> i guess it snapped his neck um and then later well, i guess you know dying by getting head there's worse ways hey. to die. i think they made that joke actually oh, shit. <laughs> sorry guys um, yeah the there's like a noisy a nosy neighbor who gets chopped up with a wood uh a lawnmower um oh and then at the end um all those people he killed and buried in the backyard, they come back to life as zombies. Of course they do. Um, Why wouldn't they? <laughs> so, but the the level of comedy, like the audience was just laughing, uh, not even just because the effects were bad, but just it felt like there was that little bit of self-awareness that they knew what they were mm. making was silly. So uh, like that helped uh, it be actually kind of great. And if it wasn't 40 bucks, I would, I would buy it. Oh, wow. Whoa. So Did, like on like a boutique like Arrow or I think I think it's on Arrow. Yeah. Because it has like custom cover art and mm. stuff. Arrow's got some interesting stuff. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> they figure if they make one sale, they make their budget back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we made one copy of it, and if you can pay forty bucks, you can have it. Um, so yeah, like that's it, vinegar it was... syndromes. <laughs> uh, hey, I got Jack Frost from Vinegar Syndrome, <laughs> and you paid for that for their production of that disc. <laughs> I think that was only like twelve ninety nine. Really? Yeah. Oh shit. Um, Killer Snowman, can't miss it. <laughs> and it too is like also feels like it was shot on a VHS camcorder. Um, and it takes place, I think, in Florida, so it's kind of a swampy uh, aesthetic. That's all they have access to over there is VHS. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> old so many, so many things to say, but <laughs> Florida, that's a fun topic. I think I already I mentioned for it earlier years. when I was talking <laughs> about bath salts and eating someone's face. <laughs> <laughs> There's a thing on Google where you type in your name and your birth month and year and Florida and see what comes up. <laughs> I lived there for nine years, so yeah, yeah. You're Miami Dolphins fan. It says a lot about you. Yeah. Well, I gotta go. See you guys. <laughs> what was it? Um, oh, I, I watched. I wasn't gonna talk about it because I also recently watched. But Rumble in the Bronx, the kid in the wheelchair. He's got like a Dan Marino poster, and this is the Bronx. Like, why would he <laughs> have a New York team up there? Um, are we gonna talk about uh, the Dead Don't Die? Yeah, I think we all saw it. I saw it. It yeah. won't be like a weekly movie because no. we need to pick something for next week. Yep. Okay. Um, so I'll say that for the very last thing. What? What? You're you're making faces over there. Yeah. As We're just abusing each other. Yeah. <laughs> uh I saw uh, Men in Black International, which I don't think will be one of our main movies. No. Probably no. Not. I think Annabelle three comes out next week. That one seems fun. Annabelle comes home. Oh. Well, you don't have to be on the show, Brad. Patrick Wilson <laughs> and Vera Farmiga are in it. Come on. Can we, can we bump child's play next week? Um I guess, yeah. Because actually our next week guest Child's would Play actually and Annabelle come home. Double doll double you feature do guys. Yeah. Sorry, whatever. A lot of dolls this 
these, these two weeks. James Wan's Nightmare Box was unleashed one day mm-hmm. in Hollywood. Toy Stories or Dolls. Yeah. yeah. Are they going to make a remake of Puppet Master? <laughs> I think they... They did. It's called Puppet Master of the Littlest Reich. Yeah. <laughs> oh, did they? Yeah. <laughs> was it terrible? Probably. I haven't seen it yet. Did you? Yeah, I haven't seen it. Uh, Thomas Lennon's in it, so oh, I want to watch it. I don't think he came to theaters. <laughs> no, no, it's Charlie Band. No. <laughs> um. Okay, so I'm MIB International. Mm, like it's like every Men in Black film. No, no, that's wrong. <laughs> the first one's fantastic. The first one's good, yeah. but this one, like yet again, has like nothing to say. Like the great thing about the first one is it. Like the first one is a product of like the era of the X Files and the Greys, um, the Outer Limits, uh, like that flying saucer Greys, and just fun Will Smith wholesome comedy. Yeah, and just uh, you know, the secret government organization was still kind of a you know a new thing, right? Um, that you could uh make fun of, and this is almost like. It's cool that they kind of get past like, okay, we already know all that stuff, but also it's just kind of, it just, it, it's just there. Like it's more of the same. Um, there's some freaky villain um, trying to destroy the world and they have to unravel the mystery and the mystery is not even that interesting. Um, they added that, okay, there's a mole inside MIB uh, that's doing something. But uh, like in two, when they had moles all over that pl- friggin' place. What? Yeah, they had Johnny Knoxville's character. Is like it was already in there in M- MIB. Oh wait, no, he's not part of MIB in two. Yeah, I thought he was like just some alien. Oh uh, yeah. Okay, never mind. I'm wrong. Yeah. Um. So yeah, there's someone inside MIB undermining everything. Um. But like Tessa Thompson's character is uh, a wide-eyed like. She her parents got uh, neuralized and she didn't she was in the kind of in the way of it, but she didn't get neuralized and she saw the alien. So she spent like the next 20 years of her life trying to track down MIB. And then Chris Hemsworth is an agent, but he's a screw up um, who was once I can't tell if he was like really good at it. And because he was like they teased this fight at the beginning with an alien and then it just kind of like dissolves away and they flash forward a f- like years later. And that's kind of the mystery of like what happened after they destroyed that alien with Liam Neeson as his partner. But Liam Neeson's the head of the British chapter. And then uh, Hemsworth is kind of like screwing up or like so cavalier about the job that he's putting other agents in danger. And so he gets put on this, you know, uh, specific assignment and they just kind of go from place to place and they're just wondering like what does this have to do with anything um it's just like excuses for special effects um and then like Kumail Nanjiani's alien character which you watch the trailer and you think oh he's going to be the pug from number two for the whole movie and he really is only in for a small chunk of it making the jokes and it's really kind of barely the only funny part of it which you think Tessa Thompson and Chris Hemsworth would be um and then the end is so like i don't want to spoil it but you're just like how did what is what is even going on in this finale like because it involves the reveal of the person inside and uh, uh it's all muddled basically 
Yeah, like I always thought Men in Black Two was the worst one, but this is just like it's not bad, but it's just like like why does this? It gives no reason why it exists other than like we just had to make another one. They had no to keep way the to, rights. They had no way to make it unique. They just needed to keep that. Yeah, there was nothing going. special about it. I guess like there's nothing I could say like oh go see this because of that. Um, whereas the first one's like oh it's it is legit funny, um, and the third one, which is the other thing I watched this week, um, has like a good emotional core like towards the end of the movie. Um, Ryan's fading away. He just can't stand all this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Men in Black. I find it hard to talk about when you're just like glazing over. <laughs> like, should I should I just stop and move on? No, I'll talk to something more you interesting that I watched. I, I'm I think not the audience, too. Brad. I'm just the person sitting here. I know, but like, I'm I'm trying to talk. Oh, that's better. Thank you. <laughs> you look so much more interested now. Um, it's just last time I kept on saying bad things about Men in Black. You got really mad, so now I just sit here. That's polite. <laughs> trying to give international fair shake and you're just like i don't know is it i mean i i'm i'm with you i, I mean, like I'll the first one a lot did you watch it I, I haven't seen any of the other ones i think i may have seen two or three um when uh what was the the older guy Tommy Tommy Jones? Jones. yeah where he just didn't want anything to do with the film I yeah, mean, I remember seeing that one, but <laughs> the first one was really good because it was new. It was a fun premise, and and they're treating it pretty seriously. Like even Will Smith, like he's goofy in it, but he's taking it as seriously as he can. Right, exactly. The second one is an excuse for Will Smith to riff. Right, and then the third one tries yeah. to go back on track, but it it has its issues. And it's it's weird the because one. the whole the whole premise between behind the Men in Black after that first movie that. That premise is done. I mean, the men in black are essentially, like you said, a secret government agency that could be aliens and know all about aliens. It should yeah. be a TV show. Where, if you yeah. Keep it going, yeah. If you want to keep it episodic, maybe you could do something like that. But They had a cartoon of it. Did yeah. they? Yeah. yeah. MC Hammer had a cartoon. <laughs> Everybody's had a cartoon. I don't know why that, that triggered Ryan, that. Ryan, you have a cartoon somewhere. I wish. <laughs> yeah. I also think like the franchise leans on things that, like, were, leans too much on things that were cool about the first movie that we've kind of got over like right like oh they wear black suits and they you know wear sh- wear the sunglasses and they're cool but it's like they wear ray-bans yeah like <laughs> we've kind of we're over that and then um the aesthetic of the like they make a big deal about the aesthetic of the uh the headquarters and it's just like that's kind of apple now you know it's not that revolutionary anymore right yeah um oh you're allowed to Go over there and sit in a really cool chair that'll massage your whole entire... Yeah, we have that now. It's not future anymore. It's yeah. not hidden alien technology. Mm-hmm. Apple is releasing all the hidden alien technology now. This is going to replace CD soon. You're going to have to buy the White Album all over again. <laughs> <laughs> the things, Some of the things I do like that they should be expanding more on is like how creative the first one is. Mm-hmm. Like... It's it, it. So you're saying it leans a little too much into that first film when it needs yeah, to... And actually, they even out. go back to that... Uh, the screen of like, oh, these celebrities are aliens uh, joke, like for okay. the fourth time. It's like, we get that. Yeah. I think you've done it four times. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not going to surprise us. Like, oh, JJ Abrams is an alien now. Like, that's the, the, the Spielberg joke, you know, mm-hmm. that was on the first one. That's why I'll never be famous, is I'm not an alien. Yep, yeah. You don't have your cameo in Men in Black. There's a cop here, so I just want to make sure I'm not <laughs> an alien. <laughs> Agent R? <laughs> yes. Um,. Window closed. Uh, yeah, and the last thing uh, for the first time since the theaters, I rewatched Amazing Spider-Man one and two. Oh yeah. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan's suddenly super interested. <laughs> um, I like 
he knows what to do. Bring yeah. it down and then whoa. Um Yeah, they're they're okay. Yep. Um I remember you like loving too because obviously it's the Gwen Stacy story, but um like they they clearly feel like excuses from you know, at that time Twilight and the Hunger Games were huge. So there was a heavy lean on the you know, the romantic aspect of Peter Parker and Gwen Stacy. And then it just kind of feels like the you know, there's a crazy scientist with a mad plot in the background they used to stop. So like I would give that visually, like Spider-Man's really dynamic in that movie. But then you get to sequences like the the New York crane operators, you know. And the first one. There just happens to be all these cranes in along the same street that lead up to Oscorp and uh you know, even though Spider Man just became Spider Man they're aware enough that, hey, we should help this guy and turn all the cranes. And they're working at, like, midnight <laughs> yeah. on the job. And it puts, you, you know, know it's one of my biggest things that bother me about Spider-Man, the Sam Raimi one, is when the goblin is attacking Spider-Man um, while he's holding up the ferry or the, the, the cable car. And he gets hit and he says, you mess with all, one of us. You mess with all of us. <laughs> You mess with all of New York. Yeah, <laughs> that's very much a like, like post nine eleven pandering. It. We get it. Nine eleven brought New York together. Yeah, you didn't need to say it. Whatever. Um, <laughs> that movie's important. It brought us together. No, I mean, I I, I, I love the first. Oh Spider-Man yeah, I know, film, I know but... you do. Yeah, and it's then, a line. <laughs> and then Amazing Spider Man two. Uh, like I get that. So Jamie Foxx is pure energy incarnate, and that yeah, looks cool. Is. But. Uh, and Spider-Man didn't come to his birthday. <laughs> yeah, like he, he's got he's butthurt because Spider-Man was like, "You need to help me." Like, you're my best bud. And then Spider-Man's like, "I don't recognize you because you're energy now." And he's and he takes offense to it. And then uh, I get you can't. It's PG-13 movie. You can't be realistic and you know make him fully Doctor Manhattan nude. But um, oh, I always had a problem with his suit with the lightning bolts on. Yeah, it. so so what? he's like, okay, I get that he can fashion a suit for himself out of the energy, but why does he dress it up with lightning bolts? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, there, I there's moments in that film I absolutely love, and I still I'll still defend it to this day. Um, I, I think that that part in New York in Times Square where they slow it down, and he's using a spider sense is really cool. Mm-hmm. I think it visually it looks amazing. It looks great in 4K. Um, but there's some parts in it the world building is not fun and then they bring back the trope of like so in times square they've already got all the barricades off so there's a crowd of people just staying there and there's this hugely dangerous person yeah. and everyone's just like oh cool i'm gonna stay and watch and then like the kid slips under the uh oh no that's the finale that's the finale never mind but he's being spider-man fighting the rhino <laughs> yeah are these the garfield ones yeah Okay. Yeah. I don't mm-hmm. think I saw oh, yeah, yeah, Andrew Garfield. the Garfield yeah. Giamatti ones. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm a criminal. And like, yeah, Giamatti's a great actor, but his interpretation of yeah. Alexei Rushenkov or whatever. Um, <laughs> I always thought the like the robotic rhino suit was cool, but then his CGI floating head is in the middle, and it always yeah. has to like open the glass so he can talk. And it's just like, yeah. why are you making it so complicated? <laughs> I like uh, the interactions between Garfield and Dahan in that flick. Oh yeah, I think the there's, I, mean, I think the moments in that film are really great. Yeah, I think the Green Goblin stuff is really good. Yeah, um, that's all right. His dialogue is pretty bad though. Yeah. Like they have a lot of just like cliche. He's no Willem. Defoe. Like they're lines that are they're they're meant to be like. Haha, I went up to you, but they're yeah. just, they're not related to the scene. They're just like yeah, stuff a, you've like heard I said, everywhere. I, I really like it, but there, I mean, there's moments. I, 
Han's interpretation of the goblin where he's like and he's like licking himself what yeah, yeah. has nothing to do with the green goblin yeah no. but when he does show up and like force Peter into that tower thing and then Gwen's there like that whole sequence is still and then when she dies like that's still emotionally like oh, yeah, no, it's strong great. what mm-hmm. yeah. Gwen Stacy yeah no <laughs> Sorry to spoil 50, 60 years of comic book history. <laughs> 40, 46? And then I think the score's out yeah, of she place. Died pretty early on. Like, it's way too triumphant, mm. like, all the time. It's got. It's almost like a military... I don't know. The, I'm not a music guy, so I don't know. But there's, like, so much horns mm. in it. And it, uh, the movie feels smaller than that. It's not like, you know... The U.S. front lines, <laughs> like storming Norm- like Omaha Beach. Oh my God! If Spider Man was at Normandy, <laughs> yeah, would have won that war quicker. I would have had Namor, but you know. Oh, that's true. Fuck ah, Namor. So yep. yeah, yeah. Then the the dead don't die. Should I start with that? Yeah, lead into you guys. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's the movie I saw at the Esquire and. I didn't expect it to be it's great. Really self-aware though, mm-hmm. and it's really bizarre. Yeah, like it, it literally knows it's making a movie. It even references the director. Yep, um, is that a movie. Yes. I mean, I mean, it, the, is that the, something normal? Because I saw the limits of control, and I was just like, "This is boring and weird." He's he's he can put self-aware stuff in throughout. The his thing work. I don't like, I don't like when movies are saying, "Look how smart we are." Yeah, we know it's a movie. Do you know it's a movie? You know, I mean, but Adam Driver's delivery is really funny where he's, he, <laughs> you know, he says, you keep saying this is going to be bad. Why do you keep saying that? Well, I read the script <laughs> and I, I know how it's going to end. You read the whole script? <laughs> that, that's an actual line? In yeah, the movie? Yeah. 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 I read the script. It, yeah. it, they start off from the get go, letting you know that they that at least one of them is already aware that this is all a movie. Oh. Yeah. I do like Tilda Swinton, though, where he's just like, that wasn't in the script. <laughs> well, but this, that part's so stupid, though. It really uh, drives me crazy. I know. But you know what? So, like, Jim Jarmusch does whatever he's going to do, and I thought this was a fun film about how Jim Jarmusch is sad about the world. Because <laughs> that's basically what this movie is. Like, he lets humanity die at the end, and that's I, fun. But I, I mean, the plot is that there's some solar eclipse or something happening is bringing the dead back to life. Because fracking. No, the, the yeah, the Earth's office axis. Yeah, because of fracking or whatever. Yeah. And um, I take issue with that. <laughs> it's very bizarre. Uh, I mean, I do love after um, the diners attacked and there's dead people in it. And, um, you know, Bill Murray goes in, he comes out and Dan- uh, D- Danny Glover says, what do you think? It's like a wild animal or something. And they keep repeating. That and they line. say the same line. Every person who comes in and out says the same line over and over again. That's pretty funny. And then the newscast by Rosie Perez says the exact same thing. <laughs> oh, my God. Rosie Perez. Yeah. She puts I a have news- to see this. She puts a newscaster in it. Like, stars are all over this damn thing. It's awesome. Um, but like again, like I don't think it's perfect, but I enjoyed myself. No, I, I, was, yeah. I was entertained, but it's. But also, too, is really weird, pa- weirdly paced. Mm-hmm. It was only an hour and 40 minutes, but it seemed really long. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, I just left with it being like, okay, that's the thing that I did, and yeah. I've moved on. <laughs> yeah. I loved the visuals, his zombie visuals. Like, he, he clearly watched a ton of Romero to, like, like the, some of the shots of the zombies getting up and rising. Like, I like how they're well, slow that's moving. Not, that's not really Romero, though. I mean, Romero. Some, some of the wide shots of them coming out and walking, like, well, slow Romero approaching. would never shoot them coming out of a grave. Not, because... not coming out of the grave, but just walking the cemetery. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's like when they open like the field in, in front of the house. Yeah. 
Um, what? Like in silhouette or no? They're just no. like it's just just low lit. It's the it's the night, but it just it had a it had a vibe about it to it. The music is really good in it too, so it kind of helped with me. But um, I don't know. I enjoyed it for the most part. Like he, Jim Jarmusch is going to do what he's going to do. No, I mean he's it's not, it's enjoyable yeah. film, but yeah. there's there's some of the rules I didn't understand. Uh, you know, and how they come back to life because they have that one character who dies in the jail cell and they just leave her in there and. Bill Murray's like, oh, I'm just going to stay the night here. Oh, yeah. And then they show her twitching, and then she doesn't come back alive until a day later. It's yeah. like, it's really, that's what I mean. Like, the pace is weird and the editing choices are weird. I think it's hard with films that, like, call themselves out as being a film and, oh, I read the script. Yeah. Like, they don't have to follow any rules because then it becomes, uh, like, oh, well, we know it's a movie and we know it's a script and this makes this funnier or makes this work so we don't have to actually have this suspension of disbelief yeah, and that's always, kind of a crutch that 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 can be difficult it also yeah. makes me like less invested in it because i'm like right. well they yeah, yeah. it seems like they don't care about the movie so why should i right i think that when you get a it's funny because like there's so many people in this flick like rizza's in the film i actually like the the truck says whoop ps <laughs> yeah that was, that, I mean, that's um, funny i thought that was fun like th- like some of those self-aware jokes are like on this like they work really well not all of them do but um uh I think when you get that many stars in there you there's a there's a level of like maybe he just let them have some fun making a zombie movie which is fine you know like if you can assemble that many cast members to do that um my issue with the film is that I think that even though it's sad and angry about things I don't know if it knows how to necessarily direct the anger at times um it just it's clearly a movie about an environmental message but it also I think muddles it with a lot of other angry issues that it doesn't expand upon like well, I mean, Steve if... Buscemi's character is a great example where like they they barely show him but like Tom Waits at the end says he get what he deserves and I'm like well I, I didn't see him get to do much I know what he's supposed to be he's supposed to be a MAGA asshole but he doesn't like it, it doesn't like it doesn't expand on it like there's not enough they don't do enough with some of the characters and the kids at the CDC or the at the detention center they're completely dropped from the movie and yeah. I want I want to see their story. I kind of don't care about some of the other stories. Like I didn't need a Selena Gomez hipster. Well, she's joke. also dropped too because yeah. they they're in the hotel room and then they go back and they're all dead. I uh, I love that shot of Adam Driver walking out with the head. <laughs> <laughs> you could actually see Selena Gomez like her headless head blinking in the first shot of it. It's fun. Yeah, uh, there's things to like about it. It's not perfect, but. Um, yeah, and then the whole, the whole "Dead Don't Die" is a song by Sturgis Simpson. Sturgis Simpson, and it <laughs> opens the movie with the credits, and then it plays in their car, and then and keeps it on keeps on up. showing up on the radio over and over again. They reference the, like this is a song by Sturgis Simpson, and I was like, does it have some reference to what's going on? Like, really? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Like, it just seems kind of random. So, but anyway, yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, well, we have all these stars that we had to pay. So we bought this one song. <laughs> Let's use that a couple of times because yeah. that's the only song we can afford. But I thought I was trying to like, I was trying to think like, well, this feels closest to Shaun of the Dead. So like, what what about the songs from Shaun of the Dead? Is this like kind of uh, homaging to? And I couldn't put it together. Like, I don't yeah. feel like Shaun of the Dead has a specific one that they recycle or no. anything. So anyway, it's it's fun in the moment, but after that, I'm like, yeah, we moved on. Agreed. Yeah. You guys seem to like a lot of horror films, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm. Oh yeah. If you, if, I mean, like, and if you're not like familiar with Jarmusch and you saw this film and you're curious about it, go watch um, 
uh, Stranger Than Paradise or Coffee and Cigarettes or Blo- Broken Flowers. Those are some really good Jarmusch flicks. Uh, Only Lovers Left Alive is pretty interesting, too. But, I mean, I haven't watched all of his flicks, so I'm not, like, versed in him. But he's a weird guy. Zach, what'd you watch? Uh, not a whole lot. Um, I rewatched Suspicion um, the day before we recorded the first episode of The Shamley Silhouette, which will be up on the Real Nerds podcast Wow, what feed. a plug. Yes, I know. I'm, I'm a lovely, lovely, <laughs> selfless, shameful, promoting man. Um, but Suspicion... Which like to kind of tease our conversation, Suspicion's a lot of like fun. Like it's it's a yep. it's a good movie, and it's the one Cary Grant Hitchcock team up that I think gets under discussed. Um, but it's you know for 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 what they're able to do with the dark element of Grant, it's 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 amazing. Like obviously the ending's a cop out by the studio system, but. Um, you know, like still you get a lot of darkness in Grant that I don't think you see normally running at the track. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, it's fun watching Nigel Bruce run around his beaky and, uh, you know, it's, it's a good flick. Um, I'm halfway through Ken Burns jazz, uh, which is a fun little, uh, mini series that he did in 2000 about the history of jazz from the beginning of time to now. <laughs> Uh, and uh, it's fun kind of hearing stories that I didn't know about Louis Armstrong and uh, 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 Dizzy Gillespie and um, uh, uh, Charlie Bird Parker. And um, actually, Duke Ellington's a big prominent uh, part of the discussion, obviously. But there's stuff about Duke Ellington I had no idea about. Um, and actually, a lot of it focuses a lot on some of the female artists that contribute as far back as the beginning of jazz and. Um, Billy Holiday's story is fascinating, mm-hmm. um, and uh, Ella Fitzgerald too. Like you know, like they just there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff to um, uh, to kind of go through. Uh, but you know, I'm still only halfway through, so I've still got a lot to go. There are two parts on swing though, uh, just swing music alone, and also an additional one on how it kind of helped with the war effort, and it like shows these bands band leaders that went off to war like basically like contributed their services to entertaining the soldiers and joining the USO and um uh one of them Dave Brubeck actually like he got started as a band leader literally in the thrust of war and his whole platoon his whole band was part of a platoon that got lost during the battle of the bulge and got lost in the forest had to make their way back join another regiment and then go toward like but and by the time they rejoined that regiment the war had ended so it's like they got kind of lost during the last half of like the last section of the war um it's pretty interesting um and then uh just watched some jack benny episodes on the shout factory disc um i rewatched the dick van dyke episode uh which is fun uh dick van dyke does a fun dance and then uses uh jack's hand for a hat rack which Dick Van Dyke's the only person who could use Jack Benny's hand for a hat rack. Um, and uh, and then Jack abuses Dick Van Dyke's uh, talent by making him play multiple roles within the span of one sketch and, like, tiring him out. And it's a fun uh, little journey. He had some weird last name, like Hat Rack. That's a nice guy's reference. <laughs> <laughs> I love how we all just... I probably don't remember it because it's the seventh best film of 2016. Yeah, I figured I'd call you out on that one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and yeah, that's all I watched this week. Yeah, I didn't watch too much either. I uh, We talked about The Dead Don't Die. I saw Child's Play, but I guess we're saving that for next week. Um, yeah, our, our guests would not mind seeing that. So, if we, we have a guest next week? Yeah. Okay. 
they um, also do a podcast and they wanted to, t- to team up. Ooh. Cross cross promote. Busy. Um <laughs> <laughs> I watched Revenge of the Nerds. I haven't seen it in forever. Um, How was that? My wife, lo- I fe- my wife loves that movie. And I said, the person who doesn't like comedy and likes st- doesn't like stupid things, this is like the stupidest movie ever. Um, and apparently, I read it's not appropriate for modern times. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> not at all. No. Anything had, from that era? The, yeah, is they just have like, the, the whoa, Oriental your socially guy. conscious wife. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what I mean. There's an Oriental guy who walks around and goes, "Thank you, thank you very much, thank you." And uh, oh yeah. And there's Worse than Mickey Rooney? Oh, oh not as bad as Mickey Rooney from Breakfast at Tiffany's. <laughs> I Mickey Rooney's the, the standard yeah, of terrible. Yeah, that's the standard. <laughs> and then there's... Uh, they, so the nerds install hidden cameras in like, the sorority house to watch them naked. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they take a picture of the cheerleader naked and put her on the bottom of the pies. And the jocks want to know why the nerds are selling so many pies. It's because there's a topless photo of oh, wow. the head cheerleader who... Um, the one nerd pretends that he's the quarterback and goes into a fun house and eats her out and then she's instead of getting mad for the rape she says are all nerds like this and forget the fact that he put her picture at the bottom naked picture at the bottom of a pie oh no they're together and she's in love with him at the end um boys will be boys yep oh, i mean God. it's uh, it's funny but it's it's, it's a, almost cringeworthy it's, funny it's now, right? It's now. like, I mean, oh. You, you can forgive some of, you know, the 80s stuff, but it's, I guess it's still kind of funny, but. If you can, if you can watch it in context, I guess. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's still, I mean, I don't, I'm not that big of a PC person. I can still enjoy it. I rewatched it a few years ago, like, just because it was, I think it was on Netflix at one point, and I just watched it, and I'm like, ugh. I mean, it's, it's funny, fun. yeah. but ugh. it's still fun. Uh, and the only other thing I watched is um, I started watching Crisis, and I'll talk about that next week. It's a Cary Grant film. Oh. Um, but the only, other only movie I watched straight through was Murder Mystery with Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston. Did you like on it? Netflix? Yeah, it's actually pretty fun. Okay. Um, what what I liked about it, and this is kind of I guess not really spoilerish, but the murders actually happened. I was concerned as I'm watching. I'm like, is this going to be? That is all this ruse because the story is. Is it going to be like the game? <laughs> yeah. Um, the story is, is Adam Sandler is a New York City cop who can't pass the detective's exam, but he tells his wife he's a detective. Mm-hmm. And his wife's Jennifer Aniston. He promised to take her to Europe for their honeymoon. and They never went. So uh, she loves reading these detective romance novels or detective things. And then they turn out that they're in this big murder mystery. So I was thinking, oh, you know, Adam Sandler paid these people to be part of the murder mystery. But no, people really die. Um, and I mean, it's, there's some funny parts and it's, it's cool because Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston, their marriage is really strong in it. There's no, um, like he's lying to her about being a detective or whatever, but there's no like but infidelity. There's, or... Yeah. No infidelity. They're all really goofy and they play off each other really well. Uh, it's a pretty harmless little film. Um, I was very interested in it, like for the first time in Sandler in a while. Cause it's just kind of reminds me of like amateur detective, like screwball comedy, yeah. like the thin man and stuff oh, like yeah, that. It, it, I guess that's a good, nice way of putting it. You know, um, Luke Evans is in it, and he's, you know, the handsome British guy. Of course he is. And Because uh, <laughs> he's a handsome British guy. Because he truly is a handsome British guy. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, that's the whole plot is they go to Europe, and people are starting to get murdered, and they get tangled up in it, and mm-hmm. um, it's fun. Cool. I mean, it's a nice 90 minutes to... Written by James Vanderbilt. Zodiac's James I, Vanderbilt. Yeah, <laughs> and Amazing Spider-Man's 1 and 2's James Vanderbilt. <laughs> yep. uh, and I was reading an interview with him. He was trying to get the movie made for a really long time. Mm. And the only way he was able to get it made is because Adam Sandler said, I'll make it for you on Netflix. And <laughs> Okay. And, and I just read that it's the most watched 
movie on Netflix in their history. Like oh, really? opening weekend, something like 40 million or 70 million streams. Wow. So that's why they keep on signing them to do new movies. Good. That'll get uh, the, all the funding uh, and the green light go ahead for Zodiac 2. Uh, <laughs> we're not done yet. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. And that's all I watched this week. I like movies like that when they don't use the the couple to be like, this will be the thing that will yeah. tear them apart and look how they get back together. Yeah. It's like when... I don't know. For yeah, because I mean, they, yeah, no, you're right. Because they even have a moment in it where she finds out that he's lying, and she gets pissed at him. But then they like work through it. They they team up later on, and they're like, you know, you're an idiot, and he says, I know. It's kind of right. like yeah. Game Night. Like I liked in Game oh, Night yeah. that the, the the conflict between Bateman and McAdams is not like something over the top. Like exactly. it's just very small and yeah. kind of centrified on their fear of like growing and, up you know and it's relatable um from the adam sandler's character point of view is you know you're telling your wife you got detective but you're too embarrassed to say that you can't pass the exam mm-hmm. you know i, I get that reminds me of Crazy Spider-Man <laughs> one after uh captain stacy tells peter like you know don't date my daughter mm-hmm. and then he just disappears in the funeral so gwen shows up at his house and he's just you know she wants to know why he wasn't there for the funeral and he just he can't say anything and like I'm just like this scene, all he has to say is like, you know, your dad told me not to date you. And then she walks down the stairs and then turns around like, my dad told you not to date me, didn't he? It's like, what is this scene? <laughs> like, yeah. It's you know, like such a waste um, of time. There is, uh, I would. It's Mark do you have? Do you, are you streaming it or do you have? I have the 4K discs. Uh, there is a director's cut of that. Oh. Um, on the disc. I think it's on the Blu-ray. Blu-ray, where there's about ten minutes more of scenes with dialogue, which. I think they kind of hit that scene's a little longer and cause there's also a scene with Kirk Connors. That's a lot longer. Um, mm. But yeah, just talking about like yeah. having like a couples yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. where you just like in your head, you're just like, just say this just, right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just use your do mouth it. words. Yeah. God damn it. Yeah. I love Risa Fons as an actor, but when I watched him in amazing Spider-Man, I was just like, Oh, it's not Dylan Baker. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Poor Dylan Baker. Yep. Oh, wait up. You guys doesn't Corinne have a catch in the classics for us this week? Hey nerds, Corinne here for part 20.6 of Catching the Classics, which is actually part 6 of Catching the Miyazaki Classics, where I'm going through all of the films that have been directed by Hayao Miyazaki. This week I tackled his directorial debut, which is Lupin III, The Castle of Cagliostro. So uh, I'll give you a little bit of context about this movie, and then I'll do the synopsis and then just kind of general um, thoughts and critiques. I won't go into like a ton of detail on the critique part because I have a lot to say about this movie, but I won't bore you guys, and I'll just try to put most of it in the article, which if you haven't read the articles yet, um, you should go check out realnerdspodcast.com. All of my Hayao Miyazaki movie reviews are going to be up there, and I won't sound like a total dumbass um, when you're reading them, so... I tend to ramble when I'm talking, but if you read it, I sound much smarter than I actually am. So go check out the uh, the website. So this movie is, well, first of all, it's rough. This is, without a doubt, the worst Miyazaki movie um, of the bunch. And so he has 11 films. I've seen half of them prior to doing this series. I've already watched the ones I hadn't seen. This was the last one I hadn't seen. So now I've seen all of Miyazaki's movies, and I can definitively say this is the worst one. Um, So this is actually 
Um, it's not a spinoff, but it's a self-contained story within the universe of Lupin the Third, which is an anime from, I believe it was the 70s that Hayao Miyazaki directed, I don't know, all the episodes, at least some of them. Um, so this is, I don't know if you guys know how anime movies work, but it's kind of like a self-contained story where, depending on the circumstances, you could potentially watch it and not have seen the movie or not have seen the anime and still enjoy the movie, which was kind of the case here. Like, you didn't need a lot of background. They set you up pretty well. Um, but, yeah, it's, like, within the anime, like, the TV show, they don't talk about anything that happened in the movie before or after. It's it's very much with its self-contained story within this universe. It has the characters. It has the the feel and the emotion or the tone of whatever series it is but anyway so this is a movie of the tv anime lupin the third and so here's the synopsis um i won't go into spoilers so lupin the third is um actually his well that's his name lupin the third but he goes by wolf in the english version um which side note I I know I had said, like, I wasn't sure how I was going to find this. It's actually on Netflix, and you can watch it there with the English dub. You, I think it also has um, the option to watch it in the Japanese voice um, version as well. But anyway, Wolf is a thief, uh, this, like, master class criminal, and he and his um, partner in crime, Jigen, rob this casino, and as they're get making their getaway, you know, they've outrun everybody and they're like haha you know they've got millions of dollars or whatever and they realize that the money is counterfeit so they're like oh well this is like the best counterfeiting we've ever seen we should go find whoever's running this counterfeiting operation and just take it over so that leads them to the country of Cagliostro which is I guess it's supposed to be kind of like Montserrat or something because it's this very tiny European country it only has like 3,500 people in it so pretty dang small and they bump into the princess although they don't know she's the princess at the time and they figure out that the princess and the count of Cagliostro who has the um, eponymous um, castle of Cagliostro they're going to get married so they're both descended from this the family of the Cagliostros, you have like the princess is supposed to be kind of the light side of the family. And you have the count who's supposed to be kind of the dark side where he's involved with all sorts of like criminal operations to um, have the country like succeed and you know, assassinations and whatever. So that's pretty much it. <laughs> that's pretty much the entire setup is that Wolf um, and then his two, Jigen and his other um, friend, um, try to break up the wedding between the princess and the count. So, yeah, like I said, this is a really rough movie. The animation, I know, obviously, it's older than any of the other Miyazaki movies. This was, um, 90, 1979. So, it is, it is the first one of... Um, Miyazaki's films and you can definitely tell it looks old and 
at least with Nausicaa, like it's the second oldest and I think it was early 80s or something. But Nausicaa doesn't, hasn't, the animation in Nausicaa has not aged as poorly as the animation in this movie. It's very rough. And the fact that it's an anime does not help it because everything is exaggerated and like the motion and everything is very different from a typical Miyazaki movie. And that's one of the things that kind of makes me mad sometimes is people will be like, oh, Miyazaki, he's anime. And I'm like, not really. I mean, obviously it's Japanese style animation, but it's not anime. You know, anime, in my opinion, is where you kind of have, you have Japanese style animation, yes, but you also kind of have like expressions are over-exaggerated, um, people defy the laws of physics like constantly, they're, you know, it's kind of almost sort of like Looney Tunes, like Roadrunner, Wiley e. Coyote type stuff, but just the Japanese version of it, where, you know, how like Wiley e. Coyote will be hanging in the air and then it takes him like five seconds before he starts to fall and he's like, oh, what? <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, I would say that the traditional Miyazaki movies are kind of in this middle ground between Japanese anime and the kind of traditional Western animation like Disney. Because they, they look kind of like Disney films. Like they move and every everybody kind of has like their own thing that they're doing and it's not super, you know, dramatic most of the time. There are a couple of instances, but for the most part, it's a cartoon that looks like it's in the Japanese style, but it's not anime. It's a little bit closer to like Western animation. So, um, what else can I tell you about this movie? Uh, I just, there's not like a lot of plot to it. I, when I watched it the first time, I was very like, blah about it. And I was like, well, maybe that wasn't fair. And it's, I think once I knew, cause I was expecting like, you know, actual, like true Miyazaki and then watching it, I was like, "Ugh, what is this nonsense? And so I was like, okay, that maybe wasn't fair. I have to meet this movie on its own terms. And so I rewatched most of it. I fast forwarded through a couple of sequences and honestly, it, it was like two thirds of the movie that I ended up watching because a third of it is just Lupin or the wolf breaking into the castle or breaking out of the castle. And it's like, you can fast forward through that. It's, it's fine. The, the characters are, you know, they're cute and memorable, I guess. Um, I do think the one thing I'll say about the movie that I liked is that they gave you good, like, even though I have not seen Lupin the third, I don't know who these people are. They gave you a good kind of, here, let's help everybody catch up, but not like talk down to you while they're doing it. So it's like quick, like here's kind of refresh, like FYI, here's what's going on. But they don't like shoehorn it in. It's not super like over exposition or anything. It's very succinct and it's very productive. And the voice cast is really good. I don't know anybody on there. It's all the people from the TV show as far as I understand. So that's cool. Um, I didn't really like the ending. That's something I'll probably talk about more in the article. But yeah, it's 
it's not good. I understand why now why the library didn't have it because it is definitely the worst of Miyazaki's movies. And it's just, it's like a quick adventure film, but it's very much, like I said, in the kind of vein of Japanese anime rather than what Miyazaki later went on to do where he almost kind of has his own sort of animation sphere within Japanese animation where it's not anime, but it's not Western animation, but it's something kind of in between a little bit. So I'm going to give it a C minus. Maybe a C, maybe a C. But yeah, like I said, this is the worst of them. And you can skip it. Although, again, it is on Netflix. So I guess if you were super interested, you could check it out if you have Netflix. It's Lupin the Third, The Castle of Cagliostro. And like I said, I'm going to give it a C. So next time, I'm going to watch what you all like to call the movie for babies. It's not the movie for babies. Ponyo. Um which was kind of, I think, one of the more recent Miyazaki movies. I think that's two, it's like 2005 or 2008 or something. So I don't know why you guys shit on it so much, but I haven't seen it in a while, so I'll have to revisit it. And again, I think it's a, one of those movies you have to meet on its own terms because it is for a younger audience. But anyway, that'll be next week. Ponyo is next week. So hope you all had fun at your movie. And I will talk to you next time. Bye. Thanks, Corinne. That's some amazing insight about the castle of Cagliostro. Next week, we'll talk more in depth about it. What's next, Ryan? Uh, this week on Real Nerds Podcast, we saw Toy Story 4. Brad, should people see Toy Story 4? Um, so, I don't think I've ever had to like fight so hard to not cry in a movie before. <laughs> um, yeah, the, 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 the very end. Uh, so... No surprise, I had an obnoxious audience, like full on, just like I wrote them up, nothing happened. Um, and they always did it at like, I, I saw the emotional part coming from Pixar. I was like, here it is. This is why the movie exists. And then blah, 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 blah. And I miss it. And so I basically watched a really fun movie, but I know it's deeper than that. Um, and then finally I got to the end and I was like, there it is. That's what I came to see. Um, and I kind of knew from the trailer that it was going there but it still surprised me and it's it's the fourth movie of a toy like of toy story and it's still good so definitely go see it do you have to do you have to see the other ones in order to get that context that you're talking about or is no, this I one standalone pretty well on you don't have own. to know it but i think it's the impact is stronger if you've there lived with these characters through, through all, all of them because yeah. i think i i know i've seen the first one and i love that one i don't I know I haven't seen the third one because everybody talks about that one makes them cry so much. Yeah, um, yeah I may have seen the second one, but I I I do love the series. So yeah, I'd, I'd say the third one's finale is more shocking and probably s s more dynamic. Um, this one, we'll talk about it more. In the uh, but, uh, so I, have I, I don't want to spoil it. I have a funny yeah, story yeah. about the dad don't die. So um, uh, sorry, totally go off topic. So I went to the Alamo and. It was kind of full, but it was full on this the top part, so you know how it's divided. Right. So I go into the second row. Nobody's in there. And I sit down, and halfway through the previews, 
these two people come in. I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. They're going to sit in this row. So I'm on – so at the Alamo, you know, two chairs take up one table. Right. So it's a, a dude and his girlfriend. <laughs> and the dude buys a seat right next to me, not on the same table as his girlfriend. The rest of the row, there's no one else even in the row. There's no one in the row behind me. I'm like, what the fuck, dude? They least, wanted you for a three-way. I, I'm like, dude, at least just get the seat next to your girlfriend. You don't have to sit next to me. Right. And then I was like, man, I got popcorn, and it's really awkward. <laughs> Anyways, I did that at Endgame. It wasn't at Alamo, but I, I guess this is just like, ah, yeah. Mer, mer. But um, I, w- I went to go see Endgame finally, and I sit down. I, you know, they everybody has, you know, what seat do you want? And I'm like that one where nobody is because yeah. I, I always wait a while. I don't need to see anything the first night. It's always crowded, uh, so I gave it time. I want that seat all the way in the back, kind of in the middle. Nobody has any seats o- around it. This family comes up two two adults and two kids the two kids sit down one row and the adults sit behind them the first thing that the guy does he pulls out this like bag from obviously like a grocery store so he had food in it and he's like he hits the bag to open it wider every time he eats something out of it so it's just every time right the kid you know i i just kind of took a breath just like whatever people are going to do whatever they want the kid starts getting a little restless. He comes up, sits in the mom's lap. It's a little distracting, but again, I'm like, you know, it's a family that's going together. They're get, you know, growing memories, yeah. and that's that's great. And then you hear them arguing a little bit. Go sit down. Go sit down. He sits down. He's getting bored, so he starts running up and down the stairs. Right, and the parents do absolutely yeah. nothing. They don't even say stop. One guy finally, who was sitting near the kid as he's running up and down the stairs, he just. As, he, as he's running by, <laughs> out of nowhere, just goes, sit down. And the kid starts crying <laughs> and goes and sits down. And their parents didn't get mad at the guy. They didn't say anything to him. Like, don't talk to my kid. But, like, are what are you what are you doing? Yeah. I get it. Bring kids and that's fine. But yeah. no self-awareness. But ha- they have that little self-awareness that's like, hey, I need to step out of the movie with you because we are in a public space. We are all in this together. But we need to make sure that we're reining each other in. And yeah. anyway, I forgot to say uh, the couple that was like, f- like not even whispering, like the one woman was just flat out saying all of her thoughts. Um, <laughs> so it's that's clo- Woody. <laughs> yeah. Does he uh, buzz or <laughs> I think there's something like, Oh, I know that voice, you know, um, oh, that, picking out the voice the in that character. Yeah. It's like, I know that that's Tom Arnold. Like they're trying to impress the person they're with. Like, Oh, I know so much about the movie. Like you can save that to laughter. Um, but close to the end, I hear more chatter coming from them and the dude is actually standing up and I think we've been through this scenario before. Yeah, I know. I just spit on, (laughs) on the Taz cam. Uh, he's like walking down the stairs and like, I hear something about a phone. And so, uh, they're arguing and he like, will like go up and down the stairs out to the hallway and then back. And they're still like kind of mumbling something about a phone. I'm like, didn't we encounter this same scenario where someone like lost their phone in the middle of the movie <laughs> yeah. and like made a big what deal about trying to that? find them? Yeah, right. Oh, fuck. It's like I can't believe I'm going through this twice. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, what movie was that? It was at Denver West. I remember that. And it was a long time it was ago. Really but long time ago. It was. Where's, where's my phone? I need to find my phone. Yeah, I'm gonna interrupt this whole movie to. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Now I'm gonna think about that. Mm-hmm. And then he just. I think he just disappeared. Like I don't think he ever came back because it was so close to the end. <laughs> yeah, maybe he died. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. Or maybe he was just like, if only I cannot stand this voice anymore that constantly is talking to <laughs> I me. I hope so. That'd be <laughs> awesome. Just left he he there. ordered an Uber. That's why he was panicking yeah. about his phone. <laughs> He's trying to make up some excuse like, yeah, I lost my phone. I'm going to go find it and ditch oh, you here. That'd be awesome. Ryan, don't mince your words and say maybe he died. Just say, I hope he died. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Zach, should people go see <laughs> Toy Story 4? Um, this is a Toy Story movie that has Keanu Reeves, Key and Peele, and ventriloquist dummies as henchmen. So it's naturally my favorite of the Toy Story movies. <laughs> um, no, yeah, of course go see this. It's, I'm actually shocked that they were able to find a way to do an intimate character story after you do something as, I'd call three epic to a degree, because it is a conclusion and it has that big thing at the end with the fire. But, um, I mean, I, I think this is one of Tom Hanks's best voiceover performances as Woody just because he has a lot he has a lot more to kind of like work with emotionally in this film than he has since I think the second one and I actually like that there's some themes about older toys from the second one being used differently here um yeah it's a wonderful time um and it's animation wise it's continuing Pixar's trend of like blending realistic with their with their look um, like this, the stuff with the lights uh, in the antique shop and the rain in the opening scene in Toy Story 4, some of the best animation I've seen ever. So, yeah, I would definitely go see this movie. Um, and yes, you will cry. Yeah, the movie is awesome. Um, the animation is first rate. Um, what I really liked about this, Woody is one of my favorite Disney characters, and it's a Woody movie. And it's a lot about his journey mm. and uh, his how he feels about things. Um, so, yeah, definitely go see Toy Story 4. Here's here's the trailer for Toy Story 4. Woody? Why am I alive? <gasps> you are a toy. You belong to Bonnie. These are your friends. Ah! Woody, I have a question. Um, Well, actually, not just one. I have all the questions. Who wants to go on a road trip? Me! Vacation! You need help with that. No, no, I got it. <laughs> I know, this is a little strange, but we all have to make sure nothing happens to Forky. Woody! Uh, something happened to him. Buzz, we gotta get Forky. Roger that. The panic is attacking me! Change of plans. Jesse, Ham, Buzz, Bo, Rex, Potato Head. Hey, watch it, buddy. Where do we go? Let's go save a spork. Do I need to be worried? Well, my guys are veterans. They'll hang in there. On my way, Woody! No. I know the perfect toy to help. Duke Kaboom, Canada's greatest stuntman. Oh, yeah. Huh? Yes. He's posing. Yeah. Duke, we need Hold to... Hold on. One more. Oh, yeah. Hold on. Huh? Whoa! Woody'll save me. I've known that guy my whole life. Two days. Is that how we look on the inside? There's so much fluff. We have to find him, Mom. Bonnie needs Forky. Aw, Sheriff Woody always coming to the rescue. That's going to be quite a jump for you and Duke. For me? Let's kaboom. Go! That's where Forky is being kept. How do we get that key? What about the old plush rush? There you go. 
did you two come from? Well, we're not doing that. Yeah, they. Th- he, he is the focus. Yeah, him and Bo. Like, so like Buzz gets stuff to do, but like that's the thing about this Toy Story is well, like he had it's his not... one. Is the first Toy Story is really a Buzz movie? Yeah, right. and he's had a lot to do in the second and thirds as well. Um, they're all the same same voice actors. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Tom Hanks and um, Tim Allen. Um, I, I yeah, because I appreciated that like. It's a side of Woody that I didn't really think about much when I watched the first three. Like, I never really pondered that notion, like, of what motivates and drives him. I kind of just expected it. But, like, then again, like, I've seen these movies since I was a kid, but I don't always, like, go back to them every day. So, um, to, to, I, I, like, when they're, it's after they've escaped the hench dummies, um, and, Bo keeps asking why he has to do this. Is like, cause this is all I've got. Like, mm-hmm. this is all, this is, this is all I'm able to do. Like they, I, cause I thought Forky was going to be the existential crisis, but like, I think Woody's having like Woody's crisis is way more prominent because Forky's not, the, He's just the, the catalyst. Yeah. Frank Forky's like a MacGuffin. Like, he, he moves the plot along to a certain extent, but he, and he is important, but he's not vital to Woody's development. Yeah. It's, you know, cause it, Woody throughout the, the series has always been about helping the children and helping them cope with whatever it is. He even does it in this one. He, he makes sure that he goes to kindergarten with Bonnie mm. because you know, she's going to struggle. And in a way by going to kindergarten and help create Forky, he actually creates his replacement and he doesn't realize that right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he slowly does. And it's a great journey that Woody goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love the, uh, when, Forky gets blown out or jumps out of the RV and Woody goes after him and then they're walking to the RV park and Woody is explaining to him how much Andy means to him Mm -hmm. and how much it means to be a toy and because yeah Forky up to that point is just calling himself trash and his purpose in life is to go into the trash can yeah and, and, that is a and, great montage of him keep throwing himself in the trash. Yeah, and there's great moments, too, where, you know, Forky won't walk and Woody's dragging him. <laughs> and then he'll pop up. And he says, carry me. And, and, and Woody won't. And then after Woody pours his heart out to him, you know, the next shot is Woody carrying Forky. Yeah. Um, Just this description makes me want to cry. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, it's There's moments where even um, – so Gabby Gabby is – you know, the mafia boss with the ventriloquist henchman. And, but you soon learn that she's really not a bad person. She's just effective. And Woody's voice box is not. So she wants Woody to get the mechanics out of his voice box. So she sounds like she's not broken and a child will take her home. Mm-hmm. And you see stuff like this. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it goes beyond toys. It, it, right. It, you're, you're talking to how people feel. Mm-hmm. Right. That's exactly it. I was just about to say, I can identify with that completely. Oh, yeah. I mean, just inherently broken and trying to be fixed. And I was expecting because uh, Hug- Sir Hugs a Lot or whatever mm-hmm. from the last movie. Oh, lots of. Hugs, <laughs> yeah, lots of hugs. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, he was, by the end, still like a villain yeah. who got his comeuppance, but in a very Miyazaki way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Gabby Gabby, it kind of surprised me that they let her kind of like, you know, you, you you got your dream. They play and with I your didn't. expectation of Toy Story villains, yeah, and yeah, she even because that scene where Woody goes back to get Forky because they lost Forky again, and he's and she's telling him. She said, "You know, you've I've heard your story. 
you've had two children that have loved you. You know what I've done? I've sat up in the shell for years. Mm-hmm. Nobody pays attention to me. Nobody loves me. Because and I was born with this with this defect. disability. And it's yeah. you go, and I have like this tear stuck. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? And uh and Woody makes a sacrifice that it's it's a great come around because remember in Toy Story Two, he's vintage and he's the greatest toy ever and he's pristine and he's valuable he's valuable and he realizes that his value is with giving children's memories and he has these memories and gabby gabby doesn't have them so he, him willingly giving gabby gabby his voice box and his pull string mm-hmm. it so says everything about his character and that's why i mean i love i love woody and uh, you know you're you're building up to a moment with woody that i wasn't expecting because, you know, you spend this whole time. I mean, Toy Story 3 is devastating when um, Andy's giving his toys to Bonnie. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, he doesn't realize that Woody's in the box, too. And that Bonnie wants Woody. And him letting go of that part of him and Woody fulfilling being played with again is important to him. Mm-hmm. But in this one, it's Woody being Woody, which is really important. He's never had himself yeah and he doesn't have a purpose and Bo brings that up to him and she's like you know when do you make time for yourself when do you make time for yourself it's are you really lost am i lost am i lo- lost toy i'm not a lost toy yeah no i get to go to a different carnival all the time i meet new children and it's a very interesting way which looking at which it. the moment like i think about halfway through when he and Bo are hanging out i kind of realized like he's not going to be joining the rest of the group but i almost like in the back of my head was just like no nah, no nah, he can't do that he can't do that oh my god he fucking did it <laughs> <laughs> and then buzz has to learn how to be a leader in the movie exactly because yeah. woody's not around <laughs> his inner he, voice he <laughs> great where uh woody explains to buzz what a conscience is and oh, buzz wow. doesn't understand so right. his conscience is his Buttons on his action figure, and it's like, you know, spring into action, Space Ranger. It's a secret <laughs> mission in an uncharted space. Like. Yeah, or when he's trying to, uh, he wants to stay and help, but every time he pushes, it's like, run away, retreat. <laughs> <laughs> um, just things like that. It's Toy Story, I think, works so well because it's so much deeper than um, a lot of the animation films. Because right, right. I mean, uh, I took Kellen, and Kellen watched the whole movie and loved it, but he also loves Secret Life of Pets, where it's complete utter garbage where it's like silly just to be silly it's silly to be silly you know you're going from um scene to scene i i refuse to take him to see secret lives of pets too my wife took him because in secret life of pets it's oh this dog is coming in and i don't like him and then you find out that his owner died and that's why he was adopted but it doesn't have the same emotional core because the characters aren't developed as well and at where pixar even though, yeah, this is the fourth um, Toy Story, but you have an emotional connection to Forky because um, I forget what's the name of the knife that she makes at the end. Did it have a name? Um, maybe. No, no I, they didn't give I it a name. Knifey. Knifey. Probably knifey. So, so he, she says, what's it like to be alive? And the last thing he says is, I don't know. <laughs> and that's the end of the fucking movie. Uh, no, oh, she wow. says, are we alive? He yeah. goes, how are we alive? And he goes, I don't, don't know. Yeah. Which answered a core question about the Toy Story universe yeah. that's been like, well, I mean, it's not a question that needed to be answered. That, and, fucking and, toys but, come to life. Well, I mean, that's a question for everybody. Uh, everybody. Yeah. Why, for why angry am skeptics I here? Why on the internet. I, <laughs> I mean, they would have a great bit with the, the 
you know, the unicorn where he wants to, the dad to go to jail. <laughs> and they're, it's totally going to jail. <laughs> and that they are able to manipulate the RV at the end where he gets pulled over by police. And, and then they cut to him. He says, oh, he's going to jail. Because he's been talking about it for two hours trying to get him to go to jail to delay him. It's great. Um, this sounds like a great movie. Man. Oh, it's amazing. I have a lot of favorite moments. Um, one of them, though, like, so, like, in the Toy Stories uh, 2 and 3, they play a lot with the trope of, uh, a, a toy being abandoned and that's why they become evil or that's why they're like, yeah. disjointed. <laughs> I like how they kind of make it a joke with the captain uh, with Duke Kaboom. Yeah, Duke where he's Kaboom. like, this is for you, <laughs> Rajon. <laughs> <laughs> What's he doing? Posing. <laughs> it's a commercial. <laughs> There's even a funny bit where, you know, they... I'm going to do it with my Woody meets Duke Kaboom for the first oh, time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he says, you had a kid. No, no, don't tell him that. <laughs> <laughs> I had a kid once. <laughs> and it flashes back to, I don't know, 1970s like, French re- Canada. It must the, be rich. Yeah, the 70s, because like yeah. evil can evil time. Yeah. yeah. And what was the follow-up to that? Because it's like that kind of a typical, like, uh, like boyfriend-girlfriend relationship thing where it's like the 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 girl's introducing to the guy who's a friend that who's <laughs> yeah, like yeah. clearly had a more exciting life. Yeah. And Woody's just standing there back there, like having to like endure it. <laughs> yeah. And then they, what is it like? Who would do a stupid thing? Are you that stupid guy? They they described this as early on as production that it was supposed to be a romantic comedy, and it very much is in a lot of ways. Oh yeah, it's the relationship between Bo and Woody, and, and... It's, but it's also the relationship between um, Gabby, Gabby, and the finding love herself. Oh yeah, or no, man, yeah. I was devastated. So you know, spoilers. Uh, the scene where. Uh, she finally gets her voice box and she pulls it and she says, hi, I'm Gabby. Gabby, will you be my friend or do you love me? I love you, whatever it says. And she all she wants to do is play, have tea time with this little girl who comes into the antique shop named Harmony. Mm-hmm. And so she's finally um, pristine and she her voice box works and the little girl picks her up and they set up earlier on that this little girl will just come to the antique shop and take a toy. Her to, grandma runs it. Yeah, her yeah. grandma runs it and she'll take a toy to the carnival. So if she first takes Woody and then... Um, she picks up Gabby Gabby, pulls her string, and, you know, the grandma says, oh, you can take her with you. And she says, nope, and just throws her in the trash. Like, <laughs> yeah. What? That was their first interaction or the last interaction? The last interaction. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, first and last, because she was in the glass case the whole yeah, time before that. So, yeah, it was, um, it's, it's, it's brutal. It's yeah. brutal. I also been, forgot. We were talking about Bo Peep. Like, so, so there was all that uh, talk about, like, she was missing from... Toy Story Three, what happened, oh, and they yeah. worked it into this story. Oh yeah, and talk about it. beautiful animation! Holy cow! That, oh, yeah, the scenes in the rain, holy shit! I so not only so you're part of why I was excited about this movie. I was like, it's been ten years in animation growth. Like, how much better is it going to look from Toy Story Three? And it's because the Good Dinosaur, oh yeah, created like photorealistic landscapes, and this like, there, you know, it, he's talking to her and the water effects. <laughs> And oh, when Slinky Dog is hanging out the window yeah. and there's little beads of water on his rings, yep. like the attention to detail, and then like the dust bunnies in the antique shop and the cobwebs, like oh yeah, so much attention to detail. Even when they're outside at night at the carnival and the lighting and um, the the reflections off the toys and how it interact, it's it's stunning. And Tin Toy when they go to like the club, oh yeah, like a uh, you know the the, the in joke Pixar character. Yeah. Um, like they reshaded him, so it looks like this worn. Yeah, like ah, uh, just so like he's yeah, and, almost kind of wood instead of plastic. And now. the movements too of the ventriloquist dummies, the the way they acted. I mean, you're talking to these these guys at Pixar, are just geniuses. Um, 
it's it's a stunning achievement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, uh, a lot of funny lines in it. Right off the bat, like one of my favorite ones is uh, Woody. At this point, isn't getting played with, which I liked that that was like a character trait they put a push in. Like he's kind of like still he's, trying to run the room, even though um, he's the, becoming the, less and less relevant. Well, mm-hmm. it's like the doll because the doll kind of runs the room. Like yeah. the, the dolly runs the room. He's left in the closet with all the older toys, and uh, he gets a dust bunny. He's like, oh, your first dust bunny. When are you going to name it? And then like, I think Mel Brooks's character yells out, Tumbleweed. And he's like, well, it makes sense. He's a cowboy, so Tumbleweed. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's a small line that you hear in the background, and I was just laughing my butt off. And, you know, there's even a funny joke. So he and Peel are always attached to each other, yeah. which is a, a funny meta joke where yeah. they're always relatable mm-hmm. and then they go through these things where they're going to attack the old lady oh um, i love the prolonged one where they like draw it out to a horror film length proportion you have laser eyes whoa so it's the movie's wonderful and, and at the end yeah i was crying how'd you guys get the key <laughs> <laughs> it was really tough. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah Man, when, I want to see this now. Yeah, Damn. when when Woody says goodbye, I, I was pretty because it feels like the actual end of Toy Story. Because when you separate Buzz and Woody, mm-hmm. I mean that's the end. I mean those right. two are the that's how it started. Well, they started coming together. coming together, and now it's them going so, away. So the so the crying ratio is like or like the the crying scale is that you start off crying a little bit because you know it's coming, then then Jesse and Bullseye him hug, and then. The whole group hugs, and then, he, and then it gets to buzz, and then you just lose it and start going onto the floor sobbing. And, mm. you know, they do a whole full circle because at the beginning, Woody gets his sheriff badge taken off and is put on Jesse. Oh, oh, wow. and, then, oh. and then when they get out of the closet, Jesse gives it back to Woody and he puts it on. But then, And then at the end, yeah. when Woody leaves, he gives it to Jesse and he's oh, like, you're God. the sheriff now. Oh. And they also had like an endgame moment where it's like, she's going to be okay, Woody. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh yeah, you can move on. Yeah, yeah. Oh I no, not... Buzz can see. He's like, yeah. You should just be with her. Yep, yeah. That's awesome. And um, yeah, no, it's, yeah. it's great. Uh, so it. next week our doll theme is continuing <laughs> with uh, <laughs> Child's Play and Annabelle Comes Home. Uh, we'll be talking about those films. Uh, Chad, thank you so much for coming on the show yeah thanks uh, for why don't you give me. a shout out one more time where people can uh register for the 40 hour film project so you can register for the denver 48 hour film project at uh, www.48hourfilm.com uh find us find us on facebook i do a lot of my stuff on facebook just search for denver 48 hour film project and you should be able to find us um i'm trying to be uh super interactive you know i I made business cards with the 48 hour and my personal phone numbers on there. You can text me, call me anytime. I, I don't care. My, my love of film and supporting each other and, and growing the community here is, is it runs deep. And so I just want to get together with people. That's another thing. Uh, over the weekend of filming, you are also like on call. For yeah. Yeah. Kind of if you have any questions or anything like that, I know one year somebody made a film and, and they had to make a call because they, they, had the character but the character was not seen on screen and they had to like call somebody really quickly and you know so to check the rules yeah yeah, check rules and stuff like that so and also i haven't checked the website yet is the list of genres up already yeah genres are out there because i know Um, you don't every year kind of rotates in and out a few right we have two i think they dropped a couple of them and they put a couple new ones in one of them one of the new ones i think is climate and political and as separate genres mm. and i'm like 
that's that's pretty bold in this uh this is this day and age of doing a political one can, yeah, political can be really year. pretty <laughs> insane so um yeah that'll be interesting to see who, who tackles <laughs> for, that one right for denver i mean and it all depends on who gets it and I'm what their point about of view western is. musical <laughs> right that one's always the you know the the killer but yeah you know it's all about being inventive and thinking on your feet thinking quick so you don't choose those that's the nope. main they come from office. headquarters yep ah, cool. yeah most most of the stuff that I get to do and I get to choose is like location of where we show the films, when we're doing dates and stuff like that. Um, and this year I did kind of get it wrong a little bit. So uh, I'll I'll make sure to take all the lessons that I think are not failures, but everything that everything that I see is what could be a hiccup, make, making sure I have that written down and adjusting adjusting dates, times, places according to what what the community wants and what the community needs. And that's a big thing too, is give me feedback, you know, go on Facebook, post anything you want. Tell me, tell me I'm an asshole. That's fine because it's, it's all about knowing what people want, what people need and trying to do what we can together as a community on the whole to bring us all up. Are you looking to expand the audience? Like, cause you said you have room for 50 teams, 60 teams. Uh, 60 teams. Yeah. Um, because I know like LA has like 158 yeah. for theirs or something. Is that yeah. like something you envision Denver doing, or is it just like 60s good? Um, for me, for right now, 60s good. Um, I'm again, I've got a really good foundation to work off of. Um, but it, if I start, if we start expanding, I do definitely want to expand. But if we start expanding faster than I can handle, I might start throwing up again. Because <laughs> there's um, the benefit of like if you have more teams, you can afford larger places to screen. Right, exactly. So. We can go bigger, bigger, bigger. Um, my thing is, I, you know, the meet and greets they've they've been pretty small. Um, you know, anywhere from I think ten to twelve people we've had coming out to some of these. Um, and I want to make these more of um, more events. And I, I really want to do something after uh, after the best of screening, um, and just so that people can just hang out and interact with one another. I know that. In, in previous years, there have been things where it's like, okay, we're going to go over to the, uh, after the screening there, you get 5% off somewhere or whatever. So go over there and we'll all hang out. And then you show up, but you, you see everybody's group sitting separately, just wherever. And they're in their own group. What I, what I really want to do and what I'm really going to try and push forward for everybody is, is, uh, mixing up the groups not not to mix up the groups and do something different but to interact with one another and and have conversations about what do you like about film why is your film different why what do you like to do and just building from there have one station with punch have the other station with pie people come if you punch and pie that's right more people uh, we, come <laughs> uh we were understanding there were to be pie and punch uh, there's no pie there's so thanks um, for stopping by. Yeah, no problem. Appreciate Anytime. It. Hey, we're here. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Nebulous Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Drafthouse in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. 
And a big shout out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening and have a nice day.